Hi, I'm Jen. I'm Sophia. And I'm Asa. And you're listening to Every Rom-Com, the podcast where we have fun taking romantic comedies seriously. This week on Every Rom-Com, we're finishing up our wedding series with a look at what it takes to plan a wedding. We'll discuss the career of another contender for Rom-Com Queen, the multi-talented Jennifer Lopez. And we'll talk about Rom-Com regulars Matthew McConaughey and everyone's best friend Judy Greer in one of my all-time favorite rom-coms, The Wedding Planner. Sophia. Welcome back again. We are here at the end of the wedding series. And yeah, we're here at a weird time too, because this is the first episode we're recording post the Roe v. Wade overturn. And Mm -hmm. how are you holding Mm -hmm. up over there? Just I I kind of torture myself all day and just watch all the news clips, all the new- and then I go back to uh, what's happening with the January sixth hearings, and just it's a lot of a lot of bad stuff. Yeah, I'm feeling it too. Like everyone in my workplace, a lot of women there and a lot and everyone's dealing with it in their own way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and one of the ways I'm dealing with it, honestly, I feel like is being more and more committed to putting out women created content and like mm-hmm. feminist content into the world. Apparently, like they did a survey and there are very few female content creators. Most content creators right now are apparently still men, about 70%, according to a survey they just did. And so I'm just really committed to still putting our voices out there. And it makes me really excited to welcome today's guest. We're going to have another woman content creator. So today's guest, Asa Espanto, is a copywriter and librarian by day and a textile and art weirdo by night. And she is also the co-host of the Body Literati podcast, the podcast that covers fiction that fucks. (laughs) Sorry, I just shouldn't giggle, but there you go. It's fantastic. (laughs) So based on their tagline alone, you know that Asa and her co-host Jess are prepared to thoroughly explore the erotic themes and romantic fiction. And I've enjoyed listening to their opinions on a variety of books, old and new. Asa is also big into movies of all genres considers the rom-com genre to be underrated and is tired of people referring to them as chick flicks. And Asa, I think I speak for Sophia that we definitely agree with you on that. And we are so glad to have you on the show today. Yay, thanks for having me. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm excited about your podcast. I'm a big romance novel fan and I really enjoyed your podcast about the Duke. What's the title again? Oh, bringing down the Duke. Bringing down the Duke. I, I'm. I got to check that out. That's that one's hot. Experience. It's a series. It's a series as oh, well. Oh, I love so a she's series. Got a couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's a good one. What inspired you and your co-host partner Jess? What inspired you to start the podcast? Um, I was roasting the Twilight movies on my Instagram <laughs> one day because <laughs> I I watched them. I think when they all came out, I never read the books, but I was just kind of. I think I, I might, I don't know what I was doing, but I, I got sucked into it where I was like, I got to watch these. And I was like, wow, they're really bad. But not only are they bad, but they're just, there's so much going on here that I'm like, this is a no. And this is the exact opposite of sexy or romantic to me. 
And I started chatting with her about it. And she was like, oh, well, did you read Fifty Shades of Grey? And I was like, no, but again, I saw the movies and we kind of got into that, both being vehemently like these series are terrible. Um, and then it kind of went from there where we just started talking about like romantic fiction and because we're both librarians. So yeah, we were both big book nerds. And yeah, so we just started talking about it and she was like, oh, I read so many like erotic novels and like, that's like one of my favorite genres. I was like, I never really got into it. You know, I've read romance a a bit. I kind of got into romance books. mm, I want to say like the beginning of the pandemic. I like, I'm I'm sure many out there have been operating under a, you know, misconception about romance novels. That it was all going to be like Fabio on a white horse. Right, and I was right, like, I right. don't know if that's really interesting. Like, I don't know if that's really my thing. And I feel like a lot of books that have come out, you know, in the last couple of years, especially, I mean, since I've started reading them, um, are just a lot more modern. I was like pleasantly mm-hmm. surprised at what I was reading and that I was actually like, oh, like this yes. is, this is good. Okay. I'm, I'm, Okay, so taking it back, I I stand corrected. So yeah, it's just been really fun that we both sort of have a different perspective. She's been reading erotica specifically since she was like, yeah. apparently her grandma was very into them. I read a lot of erotica too, so I'm probably more on that end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, and I was just like, oh, like how, you know, our, our two perspectives join somewhere in the middle where she's like, I like to hear about the fucking, and I'm like, but I want story, like I want... <laughs> character and like love something you know so it's just kind of fun to explore the huge genre and all their little subgenres and all kinds mm-hmm. of cool stuff in that so yeah and it looks like you're just coming to the end of like a first season do you have like plans for the second season or when would that be starting we want to try to shoot for the fall just to kind of give because we both you know work jobs full-time and all that stuff so it's you know sometimes a little challenging to read everything on time and, you know, especially with everything else going on and also have time to read other books as well. So we want to just kind of take like little, like a short break, maybe like a couple months and start back up. I want to say in like October and yeah. then we can like read a bunch and kind of have a little more time to sort of select books and get other people to weigh in on what they'd like to hear about weird yeah. genres, not weird, but you know, peculiar <laughs> genres that people may be curious about or, you know, want to explore. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a great show. I like hearing both of your perspectives. I love that you are talk so openly about the books. Like, I have to say that there have been things that I've disagreed with. Like, um, sure. I'm I'm much more of um, th- just put it this way. I understood the exact kink that she was going for in the claiming of Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> for sure, and that's why I'm like, okay, like, yeah, it's it's not my cup of tea, and I'm like, I get it, but I'm like, yeah. I feel like I don't know. But obviously, like, it's super popular. So I'm just like, well, people are getting something out of it. Like, all right. Yeah, but I really enjoy that you're just stating your opinions, like, so clearly. And, like, we need more women podcasters doing that. So I'm really glad that you and your friend decided to do this. Asa, I'm interested to hear about your textile work. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm a big textile nerd. Uh, So I do a lot of like crochet and weaving and um, I've just started kind of getting into knitting recently, but spinning as well. Like I love all that stuff. Um, I sew a lot too. So just, just everything, embroidery, all the, all the things. So yeah, it's a big passion of mine and like my favorite pastime ever. I just love working with my hands and I love like, learning about how things are put together and it's like it started retroactively almost where it's like I learned how to sew 
And then I was like, well, what if I learn how to like embroider the fabric that I made yeah. the thing with? And like, well, what if I learn how to like, you know, weave the fabric? And then mm. what if I learn how to spin the yarn that weaves the fabric? And then, and so on <laughs> and so you know, just kind of kept going down a black hole. So here I am. Well, it's true. I I I do textile things as well. Um, I started as a crocheter as a young age. My mom taught me, but in the uh, past. Tennis years. I've been embroidering, and oh, um, yes, it's so I love it. Uh, I've learned to knit a little bit. I don't know how to purl, but I know how to knit. Um, there's a there's a thing. Um, yeah, true. fiber's a lot of fun. I can yeah, I I can see wanting to know like how to you know dye things, and, and that would be that'd probably be my next little avenue maybe growing some plants making yeah. my own dyes and the oh. avocado skins you know all Ooh. this cabbage yeah like red cabbage all kinds of cool stuff i think beans like black beans as well gives like a, a pretty color oh. um so there's all kinds of cool stuff it's just so much fun and i yeah. like on a personal note as well i just feel like it's traditionally like textiles and fiber you know historically been considered women's work Mm -hmm. um and therefore like completely undervalued especially in terms of like fine mm -hmm. art or mm -hmm, considering mm -hmm. it even artistic at all yeah because i think a lot of people still think of it as like it's craft you know right. oh, she's mm -hmm. crafting like your grandma makes baby blankets it's the same thing you know and it's like right it yes and no but yeah. it doesn't mean it it takes any less skill mm -hmm. so i kind of i take some pride in you know feeling like I'm carrying on a tradition of many, many women that have come before me that are creating things. Cause I'm like, you know, when the apocalypse comes and you need blankets and you need mm -hmm. socks, mm -hmm. who are you going to call? Yep. Gonna call? <laughs> yep. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and it's not going to be like a grandma hobby now, is it? That's what I thought. Right. Uh, high That's five. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. I'll be there with hook and that's what I'm saying. Else. Be like, I need the someone needle. to catch the food, someone to cook the food, and then someone to make shelter and clothing for us. Like, yeah. So my services will be invaluable. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like we could talk to you about lots of different topics for a while. Um, I just, one more question before we get into the show, though. Like, do you mm -hmm. have, like, favorite rom-coms, like a top three or even oh, just a man. top one? If that's too hard of a question, I get it. But... I do have a favorite. So my favorite movie of all time is called Woman on Top. Uh, it's from 2000. It is like a 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like everybody <laughs> critically panned, you know, full stop. But I love that movie. It's Penelope Cruz and then Mark Furstein, I think. But it is like this Brazilian woman. I mean, Penelope Cruz plays a Brazilian woman. Worst Brazilian accent ever. But that doesn't <laughs> matter. Like the whole vibe of the movie is just like, it's like magical realism. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, the soundtrack's amazing. It's like Bossa Nova. And there's just like such a light, breezy magic to it that I just love. And it like, like always lifts my mood every time I watch it. Even the story is kind of weird where you're like, this isn't the ending I expected, but okay. <laughs> but it didn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just so good. It's my favorite. That's cool. I don't think I've seen it. So I definitely want to check that out at some time. Um, Penelope Cruz, I feel like I don't see her in enough stuff in general. So yeah. Agreed. And then also, like, if we want to check out your podcast or see your work, where can we find it? Yeah, so you can find the podcast on Instagram at Body Literati. It's B-A-W-D-Y. 
And then uh, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, all that jazz. So we're pretty pretty easily findable. You know, not I don't think anyone else has the name. At least I hope so. <laughs> yeah, and I very much recommend that our audience go check out your podcast. I think they will a, a lot of crossover interest there. So mm-hmm. yeah, yep. Well, before we get started with today's episode, just some reminders. First, as always, we will have a spoiler-free section at the beginning of the episode, and we'll warn you when the spoiler section is about to start. We'd also like to remind you that you can follow the podcast on social media. Our Facebook page is Every Romcom Podcast and Blog. Our Instagram is at Every Romcom, and our Twitter handle is at Every Romcom Pod. And you can always find the podcast at everyromcom.com. Send us feedback at feedback at everyromcom.com. And if you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And now we will listen to the trailer for The Wedding Planner with the caveat that it does contain spoilers. So if you want to remain totally unspoiled, I recommend skipping ahead about 2 minutes and 22 seconds. Okay, here we go. Explain to me how you have a career in making everybody else's dreams in love come true, but in your own life. I know that it's okay. While Mary was planning everyone else's love life, she didn't have one of her own. Mary, you haven't been on a date in two years. You can't avoid love forever. You know those who can't do teach? Those who can't wed? Plan. So fate stepped in. Are you okay? You saved my show and my life. You're the guy. I'm the supervising pediatrician here. Mary and I, we're going to go to Golden Gate Park. They show old movies, and uh, you should come with us. We won't take no for an answer. This is by far the coolest thing I've ever done in this city. Want to dance? Now, for the first time, her love life and her work life were a match made in heaven. You're going to be a partner? I got to get the account first. Mary, meet my parents and mother as previously discussed in detail. You won't be singing at the wedding. All right, wedding woman. (laughs) Mm, You give my little girl whatever she wants. No expense spared. You can finally meet my fiancé, Eddie. Come here. Eddie, this is Mary, the wedding planner. You cannot sacrifice your entire career over this. We we, we danced and... It was nice, but nothing happened. I can do this. I can plan this wedding. What you have is cold feet. And I can treat that that doctor like any other faceless groom. I am going to let her plan the wedding. And that's just what I'm going to do. Because I love a challenge. And because I am a professional. That's why I love him. He gives me humanity. Mom, would you please shut up? Hi. Columbia Pictures presents... I'm sorry. I wonder, is... Eddie going to be the last person I ever sleep with? A story about finding love at the wrong time. What if what I think is great really is great? For the right reasons. But it's not as great as something greater. Your wedding planner took off. Mary? Yeah. Did you ever like somebody but the timing was off? I'm in love with your daughter. Way off. What the hell are you standing around talking to us for? Go look for her. I like him. Jennifer Lopez. Do you ever think about that night in the park? Matthew McConaughey. I do. All the time. The Wedding Planner. That thing really gives away the whole thing. I was going to say, I'm like, wow, it really is the whole movie in that trailer. <laughs> and like eight different songs, none of which are in the movie. So. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I've really gotten to appreciate the, the world of trailers through doing this podcast, let me tell you. 
Okay, so the Wedding Planner uh, came out January 26, 2001. It was directed by Adam Shankman. It was written by Pamela Falk and Michael Ellis, and it stars Jennifer Lopez and Matthew McConaughey. So the trailer kind of told us everything, but the basic premise is that this woman, Mary, um, is the most successful wedding planner at her firm, and she's having a great week. She wins an account for a high-profile wedding, which can earn her a partnership, and she shares a romantic evening with an attractive doctor. Um, Her happiness quickly dissolves, however, when she discovers that the attractive doctor is the groom of the high-profile wedding that she's planning. At the same time, Mary's father is attempting to arrange a marriage for her with a young Italian man named Massimo, and Mary must deal with the stress of planning a wedding for the man she's fallen for while also considering whether an arranged marriage could work for her. So some interesting facts about the movie. So first of all, the writers, Pamela Falk and Michael Ellis, got the idea for the movie when they were looking at a learning annex class schedule and they saw a class on becoming a wedding planner. And Falk and Ellis did their research for this movie. They interviewed a number of wedding planners about their work. And writer Pamela Falk specifically told Cinema.com that she had met a specific wedding planner that inspired the story. She said, quote, What we found out was that it's a world that's very far from romance and love. We had lunch with one wedding planner who told us she didn't even believe in marriage. So we took that to the next level in the script, where Mary is not only unsentimental about the wedding she plans, but has them down to a science. She can actually tell how long a couple will stay together by the different choices they make for their wedding song or the color of the bridesmaid's dresses. So Falk and Ellis, the movie's writers, were apparently a couple um, when they were writing the script, but split up during rewrites on the movie. And I was listening to, I found this out listening to the commentary on the DVD. And it's like, they're, they're almost starting to fight a couple times. (laughs) And the director is kind of like, guys, guys, calm it down here. That's hilarious. Oh, it's kind of sad too, though. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, there's a connection with this movie to another movie that we covered in the wedding series. Anne Fletcher, the director of The Proposal, which we covered on episode 35, was also the assistant choreographer on The Wedding Planner. And she worked a lot with Matthew McConaughey, helping him to learn some of the dances in the movie. So I think that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And Matthew McConaughey was actually a later addition to the cast. His role was originally going to be played by Brendan Fraser. Which I can't even imagine that, honestly. I actually can. I can oh, you can? I can totally see it. I love Brendan Fraser. I oh, that would have been so nice. Yeah, I'm I just. See it. I love this. Was McC- peak Brendan Fraser in the early 2000s. I was like the Mummy yeah. Returns Brendan Fraser. I would have been there for that. Uh, so in early 2000s scandal news. So weirdly, <laughs> both Jennifer Lopez and Matthew McConaughey went to jail just before <gasps> shooting the movie. So I had forgotten. I remembered McConaughey's. I'd forgotten about J- Jennifer Lopez's. So I'm just going to call her JLo sometimes just because, you know, yeah. efficacy, sim- yeah. simplicity here. So JLo was arrested with her boyfriend at the time, rapper Sean Diddy Combs, a.k.a. Puff Daddy. I also forgot she ever dated Puff Daddy. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Apparently there was a shooting at the nightclub at a nightclub that they were at and they kind of fled the scene. And then an illegal gun was found in Combs's car and charges were dropped against JLo, but she was still taken to the station. And then Diddy was charged, but eventually cleared. So 
yeah, that was her her arrest experience. But then Matthew mm-hmm. McConaughey, do you guys remember this? Do you remember? Yeah, this I do thing? not. And no? I'm I I was like, uh, what? Uh, I, I mean, I'm not shocked. <laughs> this was a big thing at the time. I remember this. So Matthew McConaughey was arrested for playing the bongo drums naked and smoking pot in his house. <laughs> so he was in his house apparently. And then he was also going to be arrested for res- uh, resisting arrest. But the thing is, the cops apparently like just kind of like barged into his house and didn't give him any warning. So the judge actually ended up dismissing that case. I think it took place in Austin. So that probably helped him get a liberal enough judge. But um, yeah, like that was a whole thing. Matthew McConaughey is naked bongo drumming. But I always thought that he was outside <laughs> bongo drumming naked. So I'm, I'm actually kind of happy to learn that he was keeping it in his house. So yeah. Uh, yeah. And home he- doing your thing, whatever, but it is Texas. So mm. Yeah. He ended up with just a noise violation citation, but that was, there's your early 2000s scandal. Remember that? <laughs> God, about some, I thought so. Yeah, I mean, wow. Wow. Take me back. And the movie was set in San Francisco. The wedding planner was set in San Francisco, but despite three weeks of filming in San Francisco, many of the scenes that are supposed to be San Francisco, including Mary and Steve's first date in Golden Gate Park, were actually filmed in LA. So that was a little surprising to me. And the film cost uh, between 28 to $35 million, depending on sources I've seen, but it made almost $95 million worldwide. A lot of our rom-coms are very successful, like the ones that we've covered here. So people mm-hmm. should be making more of them, really. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to get to general opinion. I'm already getting rumblings that you guys are going to disagree with my opinion. So, so, let's, so, so basically, we like to talk about when we saw the movie. Um, you know, if we remember what we thought of it at the time and how it's, you know, whether we've seen it over the subsequent years and what we think of it. So what do you guys got? Um, I can't recall if I saw it in the theaters or not. I kind of don't think so. I had been a McConaughey fan with A Time to Kill. Oh, and, you know, all right, all right, all right. And Days and Confused. Yes, Days and Confused. I love that movie. So I was excited for this, but I... I didn't like it back then, and um, I, don't, I still don't. <laughs> oh no! Okay, so, so what's what's your what's your hang up with it, or is okay. it you just don't uh, know? I don't think he and Jennifer have good chemistry. <gasps> um, I think he <laughs> is trying really hard to have chemistry with her and the fiance. I can't you it's really petty but I cannot stand his hair and his eyes. Oh my god, down. I had the same thought. I had that same thought. I mean, he he's blonde. He's like you know sun-kissed blonde in a lot of his films. None of that bothers me, but in this one I'm like uh, they overdid his eyebrows or something. I don't know. It looks <laughs> so bad and I'm so distracted and I feel like okay, so there's definitely I love a rom-com, but there was a phase in rom-coms that are st- with that are so outlandish that i was like this is just so stupid and there was a, a lot of that in this that i couldn't still couldn't stomach so uh, i got a lot of problems also i want to hear what you have to say the hair i, I will the hair i you know it's so funny that you mentioned that because i had the exact same thought when i was i can't remember when i watched it it might have been in the theater i'm gonna show my age i was 10 when this came out so <laughs> I know. So yeah. I, <laughs> so I can't even remember like if I did see it, maybe, maybe not. But I surely saw it some at some point on like TNT on TV or something like that. Yeah. And um, 
I remember liking it. And then there was a point in time where I was made aware publicly that it was not a good movie. And then I was like, oh, I guess it's not a good movie. Like, uh, you know, like, but in terms of like film, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, the quality of film, is it a good movie? Maybe not, but whatever. Um, well, I've got, so- I'm going to have some things to say about that later, especially when we talk about some of the choreography in the movie. But yeah. Well, and I, I just feel like watching it now, rewatching it after many years, probably the last time I saw it on TV, maybe six years ago or something. But um, I just feel like Matthew McConaughey is Matthew McConaughey playing Matthew McConaughey in every mm. movie. Like he's mm. playing a version of himself and I just can't unsee it. You know, like the voice, the like, well, Mary, I was just like <laughs> the accent. Like it's just him. Oh, I love a Southern accent though. Which I love, I love it. it too. And it, but that's what I mean. It's so distinctive to him, like the yeah. way he speaks and the way like his behavior and like on even <laughs> I thinking even like, like Dallas Buyers Club, he was still kind of playing himself if Matthew McConaughey was this person. It's still mm. him in a lot of ways. Mm. So mm. I guess it's like that. I'm like, all right, but it's still fun. And I I don't know if they had like a ton of chemistry. It was it was there. Okay, okay. Before Sophia, before you before you rag on the movie anymore, I gotta I gotta say my piece because like yes. I gotta tell you, this is one of my top twenty all time rom coms. Okay, even having <sighs> done when. it for the podcast, like it did wear off a little bit on me when I was rewatching it because I watched it like at least three or four times just preparing for this episode, and so that can sometimes be a little much. But like I saw this in the theater for sure. And I remember at the time, it just felt like a really good mainstream rom-com and there hadn't been a lot of them. I might be wrong about that. There might have actually been a whole lot of them, but it just felt like a really good genre film. And I think to me, to me, Jennifer Lopez and Matthew McConaughey have fantastic chemistry in this. Like I'll look at things like just like the dance scenes where they're together or like a kissing scene, like, which is, I'm, I'm going to say that's not a spoiler because if there's a rom-com, there's going to be a kiss sometime. Right. True. But I just feel like the camera doesn't have to cut away from them. The camera can stay on them. They just physically their acting together is so good and comfortable. And I just think both of them too, on their own tend to have chemistry with people that they're acting against. Like Jennifer Lopez is incandescent in everything. She just lights up the screen. You want to watch her. I feel Truth. the same way about Matthew McConaughey. Now, I, knew, I I agree with what you're saying. I think t- for the most part, I think there might be exceptions to him being very Matthew McConaughey. But I I like Matthew McConaughey. I like what he's bringing. I don't yeah. like all the rom-coms I've seen him in. I think a lot of the other ones he's done are just kind of garbage. But like, <laughs> but like I just think there's a certain class. Uh, there's a certain level to this script where, yeah, it's a little convoluted. But I just think the characters are written well enough that you can believe that these people exist. I think the side characters are written with thoughtfully, like um, Mary and her father have an interesting relationship. Um, Massimo's a little weird, that, that addition, but I mean, it kind of yeah. works. And I think like the directors particularly said that he wanted something that would harken back to more classic movies with kind of like these dance sequences and kind of romantic moments. And I, I really feel that. I don't think that any of the humor is cheap. It's not trying to reel in a male audience with like, you know, fart jokes or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's very, yeah. it's like everything in it is is really geared towards romance. And I really appreciate that. That's true. That's a and, good point. 
Yeah, and later on as we talk about the movie, there's definitely some scenes I want to highlight that I really wouldn't have noticed how technically difficult it was to make until they talked about it on the commentary. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that is technically difficult to do. And mm-hmm. But it, yet it comes off as like just a breeze. So mm. I, I still love this movie. Um, I've, I've watched it probably every two years or so over the years. Like, it's just one of my comfort rom-coms. So there, that's my piece. If you want to say more bad things, Sophia, you are allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to know your feeling on Jennifer Lopez being, like, this rubbed me r- wrong back in 2001, that she's supposed to be Italian. I was like, why can't she just be a Latina woman? Like, why can't this this the star of this show, of this romantic comedy just be Latina like that. How do you feel about that? Did that ever bother you? I don't know. I mean, as a Latina person, I, I don't know if arranged marriages are really a thing in Latin. Oh, America. I see. Okay. So I'm wondering if like, if that was a big part of the plot, you know, especially with her dad and everything, it's like, maybe it worked better to have her be Italian. And like, I guess she could kind of like pass for Italian. So you know what I mean? I'm wondering if that was just like really the the decision behind that and less about yeah. like, because she, she, by that point, she'd already been, you know, she'd started Selena. Yeah. Like she was like yeah. the highest paid Hispanic actress, you know, by that point. So I'm like, I don't think maybe that was it, but. Eh. And she really pushed for this role. Apparently she really wanted to play the role. Initially they thought maybe she would be too sexy to be in the movie, but she kind of like really made a case for herself. And originally, interestingly, it was supposed to be an Armenian family to begin with. But then they were like, I don't know, the studio was like, Armenian is too obscure or something. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, okay. like, I, I just, I like to see her in anything, basically. Agreed. Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> I, yeah. And I think maybe like now she has the clout probably to change an entire script, like if she needs sure. to. And she's mm-hmm. doing, we'll get to that when we talk about cast and crew, which we're actually about to. Are you guys ready yeah. to do cast and crew? Yep. Yep. Okay, so Jennifer Lopez is the star of this movie, and she plays Mary Fiore. Um, Jennifer Lopez herself was born in the Bronx in 1969 to Puerto Rican parents who moved to the continental U.S. as children. Jennifer Lopez's first IMDb credit was in a film called My Little Girl in 1986, which is a really weird title, but it was something about, I think, people in the foster system or something. Like, she wasn't actually playing a little girl, like an older teenager, I think. A lot of her early work, though, was as a dancer. So she was in music videos, and she was one of the fly girls on the comedy show In Living Color from 1991 to 1993. I actually had forgotten that show existed, but I definitely watched it when it was out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you too, Soph? Yeah, yeah. You can I still was see- born when it started. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can check out. You can see Jennifer Lopez dancing. Um, like They do little dance breaks on that comedy mm-hmm. show, and you can still see it on YouTube. So that's kind of fun. Then after some initial movie roles in movies such as Mi Familia and Money Train, her breakout role was, as we mentioned, playing the title role in the biopic Selena. And that, yeah, I, I just watched that recently just for this episode. And I'm so glad I finally watched it. I should have watched it a long time ago. It was so good. You never saw it? No, I hadn't seen it before. Oh, my God. Tears me every neither. time. The ending, yeah. the end gets me. Like when they do that vigil thing. Oh, God. I'm just in tears every time. Yeah. Yeah. She's fantastic in that. Yeah. Like you can see why that's a, that's a breakout role. Mm -hmm. And then other prominent roles before the wedding planner included lead roles in Anaconda, Out of Sight and The Cell. And also prior to the wedding planner, Lopez began her music career with her first album on the six, 
released in 1999, and that had the number one song, If You Had My Love, and the hit song, Let's Get Loud, among others. And then here's something super interesting. So her second album, J-Lo, was released just 10 days before The Wedding Planner opened and included a number of hit singles, including Love Don't Cost a Thing, I'm Real, and Ain't It Funny. And because her album was released right at the same time as the movie, they both became really successful. And Jennifer Lopez became the first actress to have the number one album and the number one movie in the U.S. simultaneously. And honestly, I didn't look up if anyone else has done it since, but I thought that was so cool. Yep. Crushing it. Do you guys remember like her, like the beginning of her music career? Cause I definitely, I had both those albums. Like I would hear it everywhere. Yeah, definitely. Those, those first hits that she had at waiting for tonight is still such an amazing song. I just, ugh, yeah. that first album so good. Yeah. I remember I was working at the YMCA at the time and just like, uh, they'd be playing those songs all the time while people exercised and I was grooving. So <laughs> it was good. <laughs> And then Lopez went on to release six more studio albums, as well as remix and compilation albums. And of course, she's done a ton of movie work, too, since The Wedding Planner. She starred in a lot of other romantic comedies like Made in Manhattan, Monster-in-Law, The Backup Plan, and Geely. I actually watched Geely, guys, too. And it was, oh, God. It's the worst. Th- it's one of the worst <laughs> movies I've ever seen. Like, I thought it can't wow. be as bad as people say, but it really was. Oh, <laughs> Wow. It's kind of amazing. Have you guys seen that one? No, no but I want to now because of how bad. I've got yeah, to see how bad notorious. it is. It's mm-hmm. notorious for being horrible. And I'm like, I never got around. All I remember was when it came out, there was like some controversy because they had like on the poster, they had like reduced the size of her butt. Oh. And that was a thing. Because she was like, why did you do that? And Her butt was like, the best thing about the entire movie. So I don't know. <laughs> I, that was a selling point. Come on. <laughs> like, it's a bad movie. Anyway. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I I, don't even know. Should I do the... No, I'm not even going to do the abbreviated version of why it was bad, because I don't want to convince any more people to watch it, and it might. <laughs> it's just weird. Anyway. Anyway, so her most recent rom-com, though, was the 2022 wedding-themed movie, Marry Me, in which she plays a famous singer, which gave her the opportunity to perform more music in the film. Have you guys seen that one? Not no. yet. That was on my list. I actually kind of wanted to see that. It was an interesting premise. Yeah. I, mean, I like I Owen thought... Wilson. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I, I like Owen Wilson. I don't like Owen Wilson and Jennifer Lopez in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> not, not so much chemistry. You guys will be wishing for Matthew McConaughey and his weird hair. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Ooh, all right. <laughs> And then other prominent films she's done since The Wedding Planner include Enough, An Unfinished Life, El Contante, Ice Age 4 and 5, Second Act, and Hustlers. And she's currently in post-production on two movies, The Mother and Shotgun Wedding, and she's on pre-production on The Godmother and Atlas. And she's begun producing her own work. She's been producing since 2000, and she has served as a producer on a number of her movies, including Second Act, Hustlers, Marry Me, and all the stuff she currently has in post and pre-production. So she is controlling her world. That's am- that's awesome. Power to her. Yeah. yeah. She's doing the damn thing. N- not many women have it. And that is fantastic. Okay. So what are you, do you guys, are you guys Jennifer Lopez fans? Do you have favorite movies of hers? Like, Oh, hell yeah. I, uh, I am a huge JLo fan. Um, again, it like for me, it means a lot to have like that kind of representation, you know, especially yeah. like when she started her career in the nineties and like with Selena, such a huge movie, like such an important movie brings me to tears every time. 
but I loved um, enough. I know it's sort of like almost, I, I don't know if we would say it's a good or bad movie, but like, it's just an interesting movie. And the cell I think is so underrated. Hmm, like the cell yeah. is such a, I mean, I love the, I, that is a whole tangent I could go on, but like <laughs> the costume designer, Aiko Ishioka is like my favorite costume designer. Oh yeah. Of all she's time. the one from Bram Stoker's Dracula too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And so and Tarsim Singh was a director for the cell and he's done like a lot of really cool stuff as well. So like visually it's amazing. The concept's really interesting. The costumes are gorgeous. JLo's great in it. Like, Ugh. So all about J Lo. We love J Lo. Hustlers. That was amazing. Yeah, she looks fucking incredible. Have you seen her? Um, what is it? Her new documentary on Netflix. Half no, no. I gotta check so it out. I look good. forward to that. I look forward to that. Yeah, it's so good. If anything, when she's like fifty-two now, and I'm like, she brings it. Yeah. In everything she's doing, and I respect that. So mad respect for J Lo. And for me, I'm not giving away my JLo favorites right now because they're going to be my double feature recommendations. So you, oh, you get to, if you get to the end of our episode here, I will give my three favorite other JLo performances in my double feature recommendations. And then do you think she ranks as one of the rom-com queens? I would say yes, even though I've now seen some of her worst ones. Like I saw, I also watched the backup plan and that was just a whole mess, but like... <laughs> <laughs> But I, but I think she, but you know, Made in Manhattan and The Wedding Planner, I think are two very big, like rom coms, and just the fact that she's made others, even if they weren't the best. Like I just think being out there and being in all these rom coms makes you contender for rom com queen. What do you guys think? I would put J Lo up there. I feel like something I appreciate about J Lo as an actress and you know producer, just as a media personality in a way, mm-hmm. is that like I don't feel like she's ever had her like big Madonna moment. You know what I mean? Like she never had like a, Oh, this was the role that like shot her into, you know, iconic level for the history books. Da, 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 da. I feel like her whole career, whether it's been in music or film has been like a slow burn, mm-hmm. but she's like persistent and she's consistent mm-hmm. and she like mm-hmm. keeps grinding and like chipping away at stuff. So it's like, she has a whole host of, you know, movies that she's been in over the last 20 years and like some are great, some are meh, but it doesn't matter. Like she still keeps going. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. I really like that about her. I feel like she's very, like she works really hard and, you know, busts her ass and in that way is like really relatable, just trying to be like at the level she wants to be at. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. And for me, I think like her rom-com, like I said, she's been in a couple of the iconic rom-coms. I also, I wanted to add, I just think her energy and her charisma is so great that I would Mm -hmm. put her in contention for rom-com queen. And Mm -hmm. I just like, I, like, I, I think she has chemistry with anyone she's with. (laughs) Maybe, well, maybe not Owen Wilson. Okay. Sorry, Mm -hmm. Owen Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so if any final thoughts on that before we move on to Mr. McConaughey. Nope. Nope. So that brings us to Matthew McConaughey, who plays Steve Edison, Eddie, in our film here. His breakout role came quite early in his career playing Wooderson, an older guy who hangs out with high school kids in 1993's Dazed and Confused. Other important movies before The Wedding Planner include Lone Star, A Time to Kill, Contact, and Amistad. The Wedding Planner seems to be McConaughey's first rom-com, but he went on to star in a number of other rom-coms, including How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, Failure to Launch, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, and a few other movies with rom-com subplots. McConaughey's other important work uh, since 2001 include Tropic Thunder, The Lincoln Lawyer, Magic Mike, Dallas Buyers Club, 
The Wolf of Wall Street, Season 1 of True Detective, Interstellar, Voice Work in Sing, The Beach Bum, and The Gentleman. Uh, and his most recently, he did Voice Work in Sing 2 in 2021. McConaughey also released a book called Green Lights in 2020, which spent 55 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. McConaughey doesn't appear to have any film or TV projects in any stage of production at the moment, and he has since moved back to Texas with his wife and kids. Most recently, he's been spending time advocating for tougher gun laws in the aftermath of the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Uvalde is apparently where uh, McConaughey's hometown. Yeah, listen, looking at that list, I Tell do me. think I think True Detective. I think he wasn't too McConaughey. Either. Yeah, I was gonna say I forgot about that, and I think he he definitely was. What was the guy's name? Rust, Rusty, or something like that. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, it was a while ago, but I remember being impressed. So, The Wedding Planner also stars Bridget Wilson Sampras as Fran, Judy Greer as Penny, Justin Chambers as Massimo, and Alex Rocco as Salvatore, Mary's father. And we're gonna talk more about Judy Greer later in the episode. So let's like get into this, the meat of this movie here. Um, yes. So we have this opening sequence, which is very relatable to me. We have Mary is a little girl and she's planning a Barbie wedding and putting all the little Ken dolls and, in their positions as the minister and the photographer and everything. And like she's just got this whole setup going. And is this relatable to you guys as well? Because I, did, I didn't do weddings with my Barbies, but I definitely did scenarios. Yeah. I mean, I definitely did the scenarios. I didn't do the weddings. I never yeah. really... I think I associated as a kid wedding with pretty dress and party. Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. know that you like, there was another person involved, you know, it was like, <laughs> Oh, you're marrying someone, you know, it's just like, Oh, you have a wedding. There's a party. You wear a white dress and like, okay. So that was as far as it went for me. Yeah. I didn't really have a wedding thing either. When I was a little kid, I was a flower girl in a wedding. So I was like aware of what happened, but like, it was never something that I was like super dreaming about. I think my Barbies all had like small businesses and stuff. Like, <laughs> wow. They would yeah. go to each other's small businesses and like trade items with each other. And I stuff. love that. That is amazing. <laughs> I did play with Barbies as well. It was, they were, they were usually in high school and they were like trying, you know, going to prom and stuff like that. They weren't, there wasn't so much weddings. Yeah. Um, so, so did you have like any wedding dreams as a, as a young kid, Sophia, or was that also just kind of like, eh? I went to a lot of big fat Greek weddings as a child. <laughs> I was yes. in one as a flower girl. I mean, so I was aware of weddings um, and how big they can be. I was excited to be a bridesmaid at my cousin's wedding when I was like 18 or 19. But I don't know. I mean, I I, I wanted, I, I had like a, a, a loose idea of like, oh yes, getting married and kind of like taking note of being like, oh yeah, flowers are pretty. And oh, I'm definitely not going to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like loose mm-hmm. notes, but yeah, nothing like yeah. I didn't have a spreadsheet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you'd have a mood board. No, I didn't know <laughs> that would have been red, but no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. Like, I don't think anyone on the podcast, like, so far has ever been one of those, like, I had a little box of things that I was preparing for my wedding or something like that, like you see in some of these movies. So it was just never a conversation. And even like, which kind of surprises me thinking back now, because again, like my family's Hispanic, they're Catholic. You know, I, I kind of assumed that they would maybe like pushed harder. Yeah. But my mom, like, it never even came. I think I was so surprised. It was like, three years ago, my mom told me once she was like, you know, I decided I'm going to start saving money for your wedding dress. And I was like, 
I don't even have a boyfriend. Like, <laughs> what? Like, I, I, I thank you. That's sweet. But like, maybe money towards like a house like, would be a better idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was just like, yeah, that wow. came out of left field. I was like, that's sweet and all, but like, yeah, not on my, my not on my to do list, mom. I'm sorry. Yeah, I go for the house. You can't live in the dress. Wow. So no. <laughs> I'll tell you, I do enjoy looking at wedding dresses, even still. True. Like, I probably looked at brides magazines a lot because those dresses are just, they're very pretty. And so I, I would say I spent more time with with looking at dresses than anything else, really. It's the dress that's fun. We need more occasions to wear big, <laughs> floofy dresses. Yeah. Just in general, I feel. I feel like that's where mm-hmm. it comes from. Because I'm like, I want to feel glamorous. I want to get yeah. wear a gown for some reason, right? When the mm-hmm. hell do you get to do that? Except when you get married, I guess. Yeah, I think yeah. I had more dreams of going to the Goblin King's Masquerade Ball. Oh, wow. <laughs> anyway, I love that. That's where I'm taking my big, floofy dress, if it's, if it's possible. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's where I want to go. <laughs> So, so Mary's having this like wedding that she's planned out with her little Barbies and it's a pretty good transition. She, we transition from a little Barbie doll to a bride that looks pretty much exactly like the Barbie doll. (laughs) And Mary transitions from talking to that Barbie doll to talking to a bride who is freaking out. And I have a clip of her speech that she gives to this bride. You are the luckiest girl in the world. When I did Whitney Houston's wedding, she was even more nervous than you. And you look ten times better than she did. No, I don't. This isn't going to work. I'm fat. And I'm going to marry the wrong guy. Look at me. You are exquisite. You're timeless. You're the envy of your future sister-in-law, Janice, whom I overheard say at the last gown fitting, look at those thighs. I'd kill for Tracy's thighs. But you have more than great thighs. You have the love of a man named Tom. A man who, when he walked into rehearsal dinner the other day, said, I can't believe she picked me. I can't believe I'm marrying the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And that tells me that this marriage of yours is not only going to work, it's going to last forever. Thank you. <laughs> so, what's your imp- what's our impression of her in this scene right away? It it may, it bummed me out a lot of it. She's great at her job, but like, first of all, this bride who's you know the thinnest person I've ever seen is like, I'm fat. I'm like, ah, don't say it. Stop. You know, no shame. Um, yeah. So, like that was. That's the the early 2000s. I was going to talk about very much of its time. With Love Actually, we were talking about that too. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Oh, Oh, jeez. It kills my soul. And then then just thinking about the business of putting up weddings, you know, and kind of all the bullshit that we buy into or people buy into and stuff like that and put a lot of money into this big day we just talked about a pretty dress and the opportunity to wear a pretty dress but the shit ton of pressure people put on themselves Mm. for this perfect Mm. day this one time perfect and it's like just stop it seems so (laughs) stressful i yeah i helped plan my best friend's wedding and that was like and that was like a backyard small wedding and it was Mm -hmm. still like so many things to do she wanted it to be you know just so and i was like Mm -hmm. oh my god it was yeah spreadsheets 
spreadsheets. Spreadsheets. Per- and mm-hmm. I guess for me, like, I, I agree with you that the whole, like, I'm so fat thing is ridiculous. But, like, I just, like, what I see in this scene is just Mary is so just at the top of her game. Like, she, yeah, she yeah. has, she is a counselor, an organizer, a leader. Like, you see her in the rest of this scene. She's just solving all these little tiny problems that have arisen. Like, whether it's somebody's dress that needs, like, adjusting or we need to get somebody out of the camera view. She's just directing everybody. And um, she's assisted, of course, by uh, Penny, played by Judy Greer. But she's just the commander here. And I and I love it, like, uh, just seeing this competence and, like, a role that people might not realize, like, is that difficult um, being brought to life in this movie. No, I think it speaks a lot to the character. Like, you know straight away that this woman is, like, she knows what she's doing. She's incredibly competent. She, like, you know, knows her job and she knows it well. And I like, I actually really enjoy people like that. Like, especially having worked in theater before where you're, oh, like, yeah. you're, very, you're very prepared and that's good. So one interesting thing I wanted to point out about this scene too, where we see Mary at this first wedding is apparently, and I only found this out. I only realized this when I was listening to the commentary, it was like a steady cam shot of Mary walking all around the wedding. It was just done in a seamless take. There's not cuts. So if you go back and watch this, like, Jennifer Lopez had to be very carefully and all the other actors had to very carefully choreograph their actions like throughout this entire scene. Like, did you notice that? So for like, no, I didn't. And I, um, I think when you don't notice it's done perfectly then, then it's beautiful. Do you know what I'm saying? And, um, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was totally thinking about the story, totally seeing how she was handling things. Uh, So that's, I think super fantastic. Yeah, it's so seamless. Like, I, we didn't have time to talk about Adam Shankman on this episode, but his direction here is fantastic. And um, he was a choreographer as in his previous roles, too. So, And Jennifer Lopez having the dance background sure. also. Apparently, she was very able to stay on her marks, like, through this entire thing. And it only took, like, uh, 16 takes, and 11 of them were complete takes to get this done. Wow. Which is nice. wow. kind of astounding. Yeah. Just a testament of, look, it's a rom-com, but, like, it's not it's not fluff. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there are pros back here behind the scenes who are like, let's, let's, let's make this happen. Let's do this amazing shot. There's a lot of people who did that, you know, and I, that I love. So it's like, take that who think these are fluff pieces. So then there, we have a transition out of this wedding that is now going off without a hitch. Thanks to Jennifer Lopez or thanks to Mary. And this is this is kind of a funny transition because you have these two women in the audience and one of them looks back up to this balcony where Jennifer Lopez and, and Judy Greer are standing looking over the wedding and she says, look, there's the wedding planner. Now, I can't imagine anybody like at a wedding who's just a guest knowing who the wedding planner is and pointing them out while the wedding's starting. Can you guys imagine that? No. I, right, no. Someone who must funny. be very into weddings, you know, mm-hmm. maybe if she's like, Mary's made it into a magazine or wedding magazine, but yeah. like, barring that. Yeah, it's kind of unlikely. But the one lady goes, look, there's the wedding planner. And then yeah. her friend says, she must lead such a romantic life. <laughs> And of course, that sets us up for our like little montage transition into Mary's very mundane home life, where we see her like cleaning up things that I would never even think of cleaning up. Like she's like vacuuming the wall or something. I think it was. Is it the ledge of the fireplace or yeah. it's the curtains or something? Mm-hmm. Man, she would run screaming from my house. That's all I got to say. I know. <laughs> That's the shit that doesn't get touched for like five years in my house. I'm like, oh, that's real bad. 
Oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mary's at home. She's cleaning her house. She's very organized, very neat. She seems to have little, little routines. And she lives alone. She doesn't even have a pet. So I guess not romantic, but man, she has a nice house. Are we supposed to be like, oh, look, it's so sad and loveless her life? Because I was like, she's going to bed with a smile on her face. So mm-hmm. I don't know if this is so bad. You know what That's I mean? That's true. That's mm. true. Yeah. She goes to bed, look like she's peaceful. She's like, all right, like no pets, like no cat litter on my floor, on my sheets, <laughs> like no dogs peeing in here. Like the house is nice. It's clean. It's tidy. Like I'm going to bed peaceful. Well, I'm happy with my cat anyway. She's sitting here podcasting with me right oh. now. But, but yeah. But yeah, I, I I hear you. I hear you. It definitely is setting her up to be look at how lonely and yet yeah. like many people would be very happy to be, you know, a successful wedding planner with an immaculate house and a healthy diet and everything else that she has. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she also has um her father and her father's I guess it's her Scrabble club too. She and her father participate in this like Scrabble club with a lot of older people. You get some nice character, older character actors in there. Like I didn't look up their names, but I definitely recognized a few of them from other movies though. So Mm -hmm. that's nice. So I'm like, I really, I grew up playing Scrabble with my family. So I found this to be kind of like a relatable hobby and like something I could, you know, I was nice to see in a movie, a hobby like this. Did you guys notice it at all? Or like, was it kind of just background for you? I I can't, I've never played Scrabble. I'm not a good speller. So I've never. Not once? Nope. Wow. I really suck at Scrabble personally, even though I'm a good speller. But I, this, like you said, it's like the strategy. There's almost like a yeah. mathematic approach sometimes yeah. that's effective. And I, I'm not there, so I'm like, oh well, I guess I can make yes out of this. Like I'm not planning <laughs> yeah. ahead of time, so not the best Scrabble player. My family is like super good at Scrabble. My little brother is actually probably the best in our family. He was getting like four over 400 points a game, like when oh, he damn. was like 10 or 11, which is a lot, a lot. Um, yeah, I'm probably one of the weaker players in my family, but it was something we would all do together. And so I, I, I found it charming. Like, and you, you always need these little side hobbies that characters have in movies. I thought this one was integrated pretty well into the movie. I, yeah. I liked it as well that like, she was playing with older folks, you know, like not just her dad, but like a lot of, it seems like her friends are older people. Yeah. And I was like, that's so sweet. You know, I don't think that's something that's really portrayed a lot. You know, it's like, it didn't look like she was hanging out with them as like an act of compassion or something. Yeah. Yeah. Volunteering at the senior center. It's just like, Oh, like she knows them. They know her. Like they're all very friendly. Like, you know, well, later on when they like show up at her house, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. much like a family. And I really liked that portrayal that is like a sort of a tight knit community of friends. Yeah, I like it too. But I also wonder if it lends to her, her loneliness and isolation. Like she's not mm-hmm. with peers. How is she supposed to meet somebody if she's not even at any point hanging out with her peer friend group? You know, dad's on the case, you know, dad's, dad's <laughs> dad ready to solve is that problem. on the case. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, enter Massimo. Her dad um, tells her that he's found someone who has agreed to marry her. That's how he puts it. He has agreed to marry you. Mary gets all sarcastic and says, oh, please introduce me to him at once or something. And he's like, he's already here. And he brings in Massimo, who's this kind of like, I don't know. He's like, I guess he's physically attractive, but like very dopey dopey yeah yeah. and he says he wants three sons and a garden of tomatoes (laughs) 
is how, how he introduces his his uh, qualifications to be her husband. And apparently they knew each other when they were little kids and he ate mud at that time. What do you guys think yeah. of Massimo here? I feel like I'd be personally offended if my, I don't know, my dad, parent, whatever was like, how about this one? This one's perfect for you. And that was it. I'd be like, yep. really? Like, cause Mary is like on her shit. She's right. super successful. She's clearly smart, organized, determined, all these amazing qualities. And I'd be like, this guy is dopey. He right. eats mud. He's like, <laughs> well, probably not <laughs> but it's like, that's your only impression of him. And just be like, does this guy have a job? Like, what does he do? Like, yeah. Am I going to be taking care of him? Like, I'm very, you know what I mean? I was like, those right. would be my questions. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Like, what does yep. he do for a living? And you think that this is what I deserve, dad? Okay, thanks. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. I, I feel like uh, there was some of that in my life. Um, people trying to be like, here, m- you know, meet this person who like had, yeah. I, I would not trust my family to choose a partner for me. <laughs> Our priorities were different. And uh, so it kind of barfs me out. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it upsetting? It's actually, it's not even funny. It is upsetting to me for all the reasons Asa said. I don't know. I wonder too, like harking back to like, you know, a little bit earlier, if it's maybe a cultural thing. Cause like, I know like in, you know, like in my culture growing up, mm-hmm. it's, it's less about like, you know, the, the individual that you're getting married to in a lot of ways and more just like, you need to get married. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, this is something that yeah. you need to do to be whole and like for your life to be fulfilled yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, which I have plenty of feelings about, but like, I wonder sure. if it's some of that. Cause like, you know, as we find out later with her dad, like his whole history with marriage and it's like, maybe that's part of it. Like maybe if they were Catholic, it's like, well, Mary, you're getting older. Time's a ticking and like right. anyone will do at this point. Right. So I wonder if that's yeah. part of it. Maybe. Oh it's yeah. Still a mess. But. I think you're totally right. And I think that's a big problem of kids of like, first generation or second generation who it's like we don't live in the old country we are in america and you have an american child or an american grandchild or something like that and are you know what i'm saying like it's different now i've got some schooling and uh you know what i mean like i (laughs) I can can support myself you know yeah well that's Um, the weird part too where you're like it's almost like a a twofer where you're like on the one hand like especially as a woman, it's like, well, like we want you to be successful. I want you to go to school. I want you to like, right. you know, have a career and blah, blah, blah. But also when are you getting married though? Right. Mm, it's like, 100%. Okay. Well, thanks for like modernizing somewhat. I'm glad I can go to school and you're advocating for me to get a degree, but also like, when are the babies coming? And it's like, okay. Yeah. I agree with what you guys are saying. I think that's the factor that's going on. And I agree that it would be very upsetting if your dad was like, here's this guy he'll do. Yeah. <laughs> So as Sophia mentioned, Mary um, is also trying to get a partnership at her work. And she does some tough negotiations with her boss, played by Kathy Najimy. She gets her boss to agree that she will become a partner if she gets this account for this uh, very wealthy family. And we then see her meeting the very wealthy family with uh, Fran is the bride at one of the weddings she's planned. And Mary is at the wedding, just being awesome again, feeding the best man his speech this time. And then we've got Fran and her family. And what do you guys think of Fran and her family? 
obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Funny though. Funny. They're not. They're not. They're not assholes. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, but they have a lot of money. Dad's like anything for my daughter. Spare no expense. And mom's just drinking all the time. The mom's major two traits seem to be that she drinks all the time and she wants to sing at her daughter's wedding and she's obsessed with that. And I really feel kind of like <laughs> uh, bummed out that we never actually got to see her sing. I think I read that like there was an earlier yeah. version of the movie where you do see her singing. <laughs> okay, that actress, she is like a Broadway star. She does sing very well. She plays the butcher's wife in Into the Woods, that version with uh, Bernadette Peters oh. that you can find on like PBS or whatever. Now so, I really like, wish I'd gotten to see her sing in yeah, this movie. That, yeah. that seemed like a gun that never went off. Like I really yeah. like it come seemed on. like a running joke. Like, mom, you're not singing. Oh well. Oh well. <laughs> so they're meeting Mary at another wedding she's planning to see if they're gonna take her on as their wedding planner. And then Mary impresses them with her vision for Fran's wedding. They said, What do you see for this wedding? Off the top of your head. And she says, Having met you, off the top of my head, let's see. Night. Dubon's Botanical Gardens, white silk tents thin enough to see the stars, candlelight, Wedgwood, exotic Weringen trees imported from Bali. I'm thinking Gatsby, not, not a period wedding, but the spirit of it, the time. And of course, this is all in JLo's voice, which is much nicer than mine. <laughs> so it's just, it just seems like super magical. And they're all just like gazing at her like, yes, you are the best wedding planner ever. And I, I think, yeah, just being able to have that vision is such an important part of that job. Like, what yeah. do you guys think of this wedding? Like, even though I'm not like a big wedding person, I, I did find it kind of like interesting. It sounds beautiful. Yeah, I was like mm -hmm. entranced by the description. I, I didn't dream of like having a wedding, but I love going to weddings. So I was like, oh, my God, this sounds so nice. And any reference to the 20s is always a good one for me. So I was like, oh, that sounds beautiful. Sophia, would this wedding would this wedding sound appealing to you? I mean, yes, it sounds romantic and pretty. Although the trees imported from Bali, I'm like, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. friendly. Like, that's a lot of waste right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's a rich people move. That was yeah. A really, yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh, don't do that. So that's Good the only point. thing that was off-putting. The rest of it, I'm like, oh, yeah, wow. Tents where you can even see the stars through them. Like, whoa, that's lovely. Yeah. Mary's doing her thing again. She's she's the best wedding planner. So, mm. And I wanted to talk a little bit, since we're doing this um, episode about the wedding planner, about wedding planning. So the portrait of wedding planners in this movie appears to be pretty accurate. And according to The Knot, wedding planners are hired to handle all kinds of tasks associated with weddings. And we see a lot of those within the movie. Interestingly, I found out wedding planners can be hired for different time commitments. So Mary is definitely a full-time, full-service wedding planner, but there are also partial wedding planners that deal with specific tasks. And there's also wedding planners who are only there for the month of the wedding or the day of the wedding. So like, or just part-time wedding planners who are kind of in and out of the wedding. So I thought that was interesting. And in 2019, Refinery29.com did an interview with a wedding planner, Charlotte Nichols, and she described what her jobs included on a full-time wedding. She says, my key responsibilities for a full planning job typically include managing the budget, creating a bespoke design concept to perfect the event look and feel, sourcing and managing a team of expert suppliers, putting together creative briefs for all visual suppliers, creating an event schedule, and then being there on the day, and often the day's either side, to manage styling, setup, suppliers, logistics, hangovers, the clear up, 
and everything in between. And Ooh. that's a lot. She yeah. says it, yeah. she says planning a full wedding can take from between 250 to 400 hours. Wow. And there's a lot of like really unglamorous work too, like spreadsheets, administration, assisting with cleanup. So we don't really see Mary doing spreadsheets because that doesn't play very well in a movie. Right. But right. yeah, that's, that's all part of it. And Nichols says she makes between $1,300 to $13,000 per wedding, depending on what services are requested. Mary is obviously a more high-end wedding planner in this movie, given the name dropping she does throughout the movie and the amount she's being paid. Apparently, the national average, though, that couples pay for a wedding planner in 2021 was only $1,700. So I think a lot of people are getting more day of or partial wedding planners. And the average salary for a wedding planner in 2022, according to ZipRecruiter, is $45,140 a year. And like a more high-end wedding planner, like seems to make around 50000 or more for planning just one wedding. Ooh. And they'll plan a few weddings per year. So I think Mary's probably in that more high-end wedding planning yeah. um, range. Well, she's so, living alone in San Francisco then probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so had you guys heard of wedding planning as a career before watching this movie? I had not. I had never even occurred to me that there were people planning weddings before I watched this movie. I don't think so. I don't think it, yeah, yeah it ever really occurred to me that like, that was a job, you know, obviously I knew that there's a lot of planning that goes into a wedding, of course. I feel like weddings that at least my friends did, they would either ask a friend or a relative to be that kind of go-between person, especially the day of make sure the caterer's coming. Can you, you know, the runaround person that does mm -hmm. a lot of what Mary's job is, they'd have a friend do it or, you know, a family member. For sure. Yeah. My, my best friend's wedding, she had her mom, kind of handle the logistics of like the catering and everything kind mm. of setting up and all that stuff. And I did her hair and makeup Oh, and I was like helping her like with the dress and all the stuff. Mm. So like it was kind of a, a two person job, like two person team, her mom and I kind of helping. I like played that. I was there to like press play on the, the music when they like <laughs> right. walked in, you know, they're like, okay, here's the timing. Everybody shut up. Okay, go. And Sophia, do you remember planning your wedding? Like what went into that? So we were living in Brooklyn and we were getting married in Wisconsin. So my mom and my cousin did a lot of the planning and I was in a really not good mental state. Like I was really, <laughs> I wasn't, I was very, very, um, I was having a lot of anxiety. So like any kind of question, I was like, I don't care. And I don't care. Just make it happen. Like, fine. You want food at the wedding? Just get some food. And like, there needs to be this and that. I'm like, just fine. Just make it happen. And like, uh, so I didn't do a whole lot of decision making. Um, I was kind of incapable. I just wanted to get married. I'm like, I love this man. I want to get married to him. Like, we wanted to just do a city hall thing. And my mom was like, okay. But then a few days later, and I was thinking, I'm like, well, I would kind of like a friend, that friend. And she's like, listen, we got to have something. People want to see you get married. I'm like, fine. So it was, <laughs> I didn't have any bridesmaids. I didn't, because it was all going to be long distance. And I didn't, that wouldn't have been fun. So it was like, just, just show up. And for that sure. For, for my first wedding, like the one that I was married only two years, but like it was a great wedding in a lot of ways. Like I remember I planned out a lot of the vision and the style of the thing. Like, like I had like we had brides people because we both had both men and women in our in our I group. Love that. Aww, so love mine, that. mine and yep. mine were wearing red. 
and his were wearing black and we were both wearing white. And then we, I planned all the music that was like very important to me. And we got married at a place where we could have like a bonfire afterwards and by the lake, Lake Geneva, which is so important to me. So I definitely planned like mm-hmm. these vision things for the wedding. And I know there were a couple things also that were important to me that there was like vegetarian food available and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, but I think the nitty gritty details were a lot of them were taken care of by my dad and his mom because we were also living, you know, in Seattle at the time and the wedding was in Wisconsin. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely had things taken off of my shoulders that I probably didn't appreciate enough at the time. Yeah. And then my second wedding, we just eloped and that was easy. So, <laughs> yeah, everyone's <laughs> heard it. Like at a cliff? Like, is oh, like, at a waterfall. Like, we we hiked into, it was in the Columbia River, yeah, Columbia River Gorge area and we just hiked to this waterfall where we had hiked before. And at one point, like I remember hiking with Lee at that same place and being like, I want to get married to you right there. <laughs> like, Aww, and so, and then it's it, beautiful. Yeah. And then, and then it happened. And like, it was very light planning though. Let me tell you, like I was wearing like a $2 garage sale dress for that one, but yeah, love that's, it. I'm I still love it. it. I always said, I'm like, if it ever happened for me, I would just keep it simple. I'm like somebody's backyard with a pool. Oh, yeah. taco truck, mariachi band. Nice. Love it. The end. You know, so you look at some speakers and like make a cool playlist mm-hmm. and like, you know, I'm going to wear my fancy dress. But other than that, I'm like, eh, just keep it, keep it light. So would you guys if ever like, would you, could you guys ever see yourself wanting an official wedding planner to help with your wedding? Yes, actually. If yeah. I could do it again, I would do things a little differently. I think it would be nice to have someone to just like handle the logistics, however small, to just mm-hmm. be like, cool, I'm showing up the mm-hmm. less, like the least stress possible, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That seems like the advantage. I can't imagine having a wedding that would require it. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, I think, I, I think the de-stress factor, the like getting rid of stress factor is good. Yeah. You mm-hmm. see a lot of people very stressed about weddings and I'm like, well, it seems like it's a day where you shouldn't be stressed at all. You know, you yeah. should be, should be having fun. It should be fun. Right. But not the yeah. case for many, many people. Moving on from wedding planning, we're going to now come to the meet cute of this movie and not all the rom-coms we've covered so far have had what I would call a meet cute, but this is definitely one of those. We get this damsel in distress situation where um, it's kind of very tropey. Mary is like in the street and her shoe gets caught in like a manhole or whatever. And then she is nearly hit by a dumpster, which has been like some car bumped into it. Some taxi driver bumped into it. Now it's hurtling down the street towards her. And she is prioritizing getting her Gucci shoe out of this manhole uh, over saving her own life. And so Matthew (laughs) McConaughey's character comes in and pushes her out of the way and lands on top of her because of course. So there's a lot going on here. What do you guys think about this meet cute situation? What was with the shoe? I, I just <laughs> it strikes me. Well, first of all, like my brain, I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure her shoe is stuck deep enough in that hole that the dumpster would just kind of roll right on top of it. You know, like there's some clearance yeah. between the dumpster and the ground. So I don't think that the shoe would be totally destroyed. That also, is a good point. You know? And so I was like, there's that. But then secondly, even if it was like, if she could save the shoe, it would probably be all kinds of scuffed up and her being very type A, I imagine she couldn't fix it to the, she would just take it to go get the heel fixed. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? So yeah. I'm like, I don't think the personality lines up with her being like so desperate, like desperate to save the shoe that she would be willing to get hit by a dumpster over it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just me. Women in shoes in these movies are like always a little perplexing to me. I've never had a shoe that I've been that, you know, cared <laughs> that much about, but it's just a mm-hmm. thing. 
I mean, I think it's totally corny. So I have a hard time. I'm like, wah, wah. well, we get, um, we do get the result where Matthew McConaughey like lands on top of her, and I think they have chemistry. So it was kind of hot to me. But and then he like st- stays there for sort of an excessive amount of time, and he's like mm-hmm. brushing her hair back from her head, like you know, yeah. you know, on the excuse that he's checking to see if she has a concussion or something like that. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah, it's just they're lingering there, and then she he gets she gets he gets her he gets her off the ground, and then she's like saying some random stuff like he smells like sweet red plums and grilled cheese sandwiches, and she promptly passes out, and then he has to carry her away to the hospital, and she wakes up in a children's wing of the hospital with little kids surrounding her. None of these kids appear to be sick, by the way. In I any way, too. <laughs> I had that thought too. I was like, why are they living in the hospital? Like they don't. I don't see any like wristbands, no like breathing tubes, no nothing. Like no indication that these kids are like that ill. So what's going on? I guess they thought actually sick kids would be too depressing or something. I don't Maybe know. Maybe it was a psych ward. I don't know. For kids, like small children. I don't know. But yeah, you get like little kids surrounding her and, and then uh, Steve shows up. Matthew McConaughey's character shows up. We find out he's a pediatrician and they start talking and she become she's attracted to him, et cetera. So like Entertainment Weekly included the wedding planner meet cute in their list of the top 20 rom-com meet cutes. Um, we've covered a few of the other ones they they chose as meet cutes um, before Sunrise Reality Bites and the Prime Minister and Natalie from Love Actually all also made their list of the best meet cutes. Mm. Um, do you think this deserves to rank in the top 20 meet cutes? It's memorable, I'd say. You know, almost getting hit by a dumpster is probably you know, that ranks up there, I suppose, as far as like sticking in our minds, like how did that scene go? It's like, oh, the, dump- <laughs> the dumpster was involved. That's right. And dumpster in the shoe. Yeah, I don't think I need a meet cute in a rom-com. But I mean, mm. as far like this is convoluted, but it kind of it kind of worked for me. But I think it's more the actors that sold it rather than the situation. Penny comes to the hospital then to collect uh, Mary and Penny kind of like sets it up so that Steve's going to meet them at a movie that night in Golden Gate Park. So we that now transition over to this scene where they're in Golden Gate Park, supposedly, and they're playing movies on the side of the museum. And there are these in this movie, there's old classic movies playing on the side of the museum. In this case, the movie is Two Tickets to Broadway from 1951, featuring a song, The Closer You Are, with Janet Lee and Tony Martin. I've never seen that movie, but I, I thought it was a, a nice, lovely thing to have playing on the screen yeah. in the scene. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Anyway, Mary likes to go to these outdoor movies so often that her father's friend that we met at the Scrabble Club, Bert, has saved a seat for Mary in a tree. And like, what is his job there? Is he like just like a security guard of the park? Or like, I couldn't really figure out. That's what what it looks like to me. That's what I got. Yeah. You know, pick up the trash people and yada, yada, that kind of thing. That's so sweet. I was like, oh. (laughs) You like movies in a park. I love that. It's so much fun. Yeah, so Penny like leaves them alone right away with a really lame excuse, um, a deliberately lame excuse, really. And so Mary and Steve are kind of set up on this date, this sort of date, and they're sitting in the tree. And we get to learn a little bit about Mary's life. We find out why her parents played Scrabble, like they were both immigrants and they were playing it to learn English. And then when Mary's mom died when she was young, Mary continued to play Scrabble to keep her dad company. So we kind of get some background there. And like, as you said, Asa, Mary then asks Steve to dance and 
He says no, and then Bert pops out from behind the tree, <laughs> and basically a girl like, asks you to dance. Literally pops out like a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he says a girl asks you to dance, you dance, and Steve's like, he's right, and so they're they're dancing for the first time in the movie, and um, yeah. And they have kind of a moment while they're dancing. And Mary asks Steve to her Scrabble match. Pretty much looks like they're about to kiss. And then it rains. And for me, like, the rain is not an impediment here. But (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. I would be like, still get that kiss. But we we will soon learn that there are complicated reasons why maybe that kiss is not happening anyway. I already think I got your impression. You, I think you do got you guys do like the scene. Yeah, it's a sweet scene. Yeah, I mean, I've been on a date in the park like this before, where it's like there were movies in the park. And it was, I think, uh, around uh, near Christmas. So they were playing Holiday Inn, like the Fred Astaire movie. Yeah. And it's super romantic. I'm like, this is a great idea for the date. Like a first date like that. I'm like, it's just, I don't know. And again, like I'm, I like old shit. So (laughs) sort of. The, the nice parts of the past, right? Well, we're not going yeah. to, we, we don't want to revive any of these Jeez, yeah, actual parts yeah, of the 50s. But, but, you know, the nice things like the romance, the movies, you know, like just these sort of older sensibilities. Like I, I remember my grandma used to say like, yeah, like a woman should always smell nice, you know, and like these sort of small things that are like, it's a sweet concept, you know? And I'm like, I can appreciate it. So yeah yeah I'm like, oh, well, let's do a dance i meet so many men that are like i don't dance and i'm like in a moment like this dancing is nice yeah i love i love everything about this scene so i think this is one of the reasons why this is one of my top 20 favorite rom-coms because like a lot of rom-coms don't just lean into some romance for a while and i really yeah. feel like this scene leans into the romance like and you've got the romance on the movie you're watching and the romance on the screen behind them kind of compounding each other and yeah, I just really see Adam Shankman's choreographer sensibility in here mm-hmm. too. And I, I like their chemistry so much. I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I don't look too closely at McConaughey's hair. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just frizzy. That's, that's all I got me. It's like put some like matte wax or some kind of product pomade in there. Not crazy. <laughs> don't, you have to grease it down. But like, there's something about it that's so frizzy. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, do justice to this person's hair texture, please. Like, just, mm-hmm. just something, please. Okay, okay. <laughs> that was that was my only frustration. I'm like, Ugh. it looks poofy. So, Sophia, we got. I got to hear what you think about this. We switch to what's supposed to be a Greek wedding with abundant mm-hmm. plate throwing, and we have mm-hmm. Judy Greer doing some of her great comic acting, being totally frazzled by this situation. Uh, yes. What do you think about their portrayal of the Greek wedding in this movie? Um, I think they're throwing dishes at walls. That's never happened. It's on the floor. You throw the dish on the floor. Opa. And and yes, I have been to Greek weddings where the dishes start to break. It's kind of fantastic. <laughs> but no walls. Okay, good. We are no we are noted uh, here. Yes. Yeah, what the hell? And then like Judy Greer, like she she's excited for Mary that she's like fallen in love. We find out that Mary's like in love with this guy that she met at the park and she's telling Fran about this, but not saying the name. And Judy Greer is so excited for her friend. She drops all the plates and then she gets carried off by several Greek men who carry her. I think it's hilarious. I don't think it's particularly realistic, but I thought it was hilarious. Like her acting here. Yeah. Well, she's hilarious. Yes. 
So I wanted to celebrate Judy Greer briefly here because like uh, she's just been in so many rom-coms as well as just character roles in movies. Um, she's kind of built a reputation as the rom-com best friend. In fact, Funny or Die made a video riffing on this called Judy Greer is the best friend, which I will <laughs> link in the show notes. And Greer says the wedding planner was the first of her best friend roles. She told CBS News she enjoys the diversity of roles she gets as a character actor. She said, I may have played the best friend a lot of times, but I wasn't always the same character. Sometimes I was a double crosser, bitchy, cranky, ditzy. It was nice because I wasn't always playing the same type. So they all felt really different. And I agree with that. She's definitely been very different best friends. Yeah. Some of her other work includes um, 13 Going on 30, 27 Dresses, and Love Happens. And she also appeared not in the best friend role, but in other supporting roles in What Women Want, Elizabethtown, and Love and Other Drugs. So she's in a lot of them. Any favorites of those like for you guys? Do you like, or, or is this your, her, your favorite of her best friend roles? 13 Going on 30 was great. Because that's, yeah. that's a good one where she's like the best friend, but she's also a little bit of a backstabber. But like, just, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's like a complicated friendship. Yeah. And some of her other prominent roles include playing Ant-Man's like friendly ex-wife in the Ant-Man movies. I love that portrayal of the exes who are still amicable. She has a role in The Descendants, a role in the horror sequels Halloween and Halloween Kills as well. And I've started to see her more cast as a lead. So she was in a lead in Adventures in Public School, Good Boy, which is a very, a very quirky horror movie, and a movie called Pottersville. And she just works steadily. She has a lot of projects right now in post-production, in filming and in pre-production. And she also released a memoir in 2014 called I Don't Know What You Know Me From, My Life as a Co-Star. <laughs> and Sophia, you said you finished it. I've started reading it, but I haven't finished it. Yep, I did. Like, I can't tell you much about it. Like, it was a quick read and and kind of in and out. But like, just I appreciate her, her career as a working actor. And yeah, like, what do I know you from? You know, she's that <laughs> actor, which is so rad, um, and still going. So I think that's a, a testament to like, what a great actor she is that mm. um, she has a range, you know? Yeah. Yeah, any favorite roles of hers for you, so for for you, Asa? Well, again, it's like where what is she? I've, I've seen her in so much, like I, I don't remember what I've seen her in. You know what I mean? So yeah, I loved her in Jawbreaker. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. like a throwback a bit, but yeah, she was so great in that because it's just I feel like yeah, not necessarily a best friend role really, but yeah. she kind of played two sides of you know two extreme sides of the same person which I yeah. thought was really cool, especially for like early on in her career. So I really liked her in that 13 going on 30. Oh, she was in something. I liked her in the new Halloween movies as well. Yeah. Again, just not really like stepping away from the best friend, but still supporting yeah. actor situation. So she was great in those. All right. So we're going to move on from Judy Greer then to talk about one of my favorite. This is now one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And I liked it before I knew this stuff about it, but like the tango scene in this movie is I feel one of the scenes that shows how expertly done this film is. This is the moment where Mary discovers that Steve is the groom in this wedding that she's planning. They are thrown together and they are forced to dance together in this scene. Another thing going on in this scene is we have Fred Willard shows up as an eccentric dance instructor (laughs) named Basil St. Mosley. And actually I'm going to, before I actually like 
play the clip though. I just want to talk about why now the scene is so impressive to me. It's, it's so impressive to me because the director pointed out that it is no joke to coordinate a dance scene where there's also dialogue that has to be timed with the dance. And so Jennifer Lopez was already a dancer, but McConaughey had to learn this dance uh, from scratch. Basically he wasn't a dancer. And then they had to get the dialogue timed just right with the emotion and the movements And he said, there's like two and a half pages of dialogue that go into the scene and it all comes together so beautifully. When I actually looked at how the dance movements punctuate the the dialogue, Mm. it is so impressive to me. Mm. It's like, Mm. especially for that kind of dance, like a tango where you like really have to like, it's, there's a lot of emotion in involved. Yeah. Like physically, I don't know, like it's hard to like communicate that if you are like, I don't know what's going on. Plus acting on top of it. So yeah, that's challenging. McConaughey ended up rehearsing this dance scene for two months, a lot of that with Ann Fletcher. And Lopez only did had like one month to rehearse because of her filming schedule. So, but they came together and they did this beautifully. So I'm going to play now a clip of the scene. It's obviously better if you can watch it. Like I recommend, like, well, I recommend just watching the movie so you can see the scene, but I'm going to play the clip so we can hear what they're actually discussing. Old lady, huh? You told me your name was Steve? Oh, it is Steve. My last name is Edison. Fran calls me Eddie. It's a nickname. I have a better nickname for you. How about common, cheating, hey, sleazy, hey. son? If you think... What I'm the... thinking involves a machete and a pair of pliers. <sighs> okay. Now, the day that you had the accident... That was a special day. Yes, it was. I was running late. How convenient. I was on my way to meet Fran and our wedding planner, which hey, you it's... turn out to be. What are the odds? Dance! Dance! Don't dance around the issue. You didn't show that day because you don't want to get married. I see it all the time. You see what? Why'd you tell your fiancé you saved an old lady? Exactly. You think you want to get married, but you don't. You're just pitiful and confused looking to get some hot pepper wherever you can. Mary, you have no idea what you were talking about. Yeah? Yeah. Then why did you go to the movies with me? Why did Steve go to the movies with you? Let's see. First of all, Steve likes the movies. Steve had the night off. Steve said, hey, you know what? A movie sounds good. Plus, he got an imitation. Why is Steve referring to himself in the third person? What are you talking about? You think you can double talk your way out of this? Throw me off your scent? But I smell you. I smell like sweet bread plums and grilled cheese sandwiches. What? Yes. That's what you said to me in the street right before you passed out. I did not. You did too. Perhaps if you want to look at the good some, it's M-A-R-Y. You're hideous. Okay. Then why'd you ask me to dance? I didn't. Oh, you did too. I Up did not. Tree, you said, Steve, would you like to dance? And even if I did, I'm not the one who's engaged. It was that dance. Hope you did. It didn't mean anything. Then why'd you almost kiss me? This pair, this lovely couple, they have it. They know what it takes. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> I still like that scene when I can't see it. I like their dialogue there. I think it's snappy. Yeah. And I really like yeah. that they give him this quirk of talking about himself in the third person when he's nervous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. That was good. That was good. So what else do you guys like? Um, what what do else do you guys think about the, the scene? Any thoughts on it? And then I have a question for you after that. Well, I really like your note here. Mary's beautiful, fantastic red dress compared to that the costume designer deliberately put Matthew McConaughey in a clashing version of the same color to add conflict to the scene. Cause I, I did notice that I'm like, geez, that's garish. So 
that was why. And I think that that's brilliant. Yeah. It worked. Yeah, because his his shirt was what like sort of like more of a maroon color, and yeah. hers was that like cherry red. Yeah. yeah, and she looks great in that dress. Yeah, yes, great. Yes, yeah. What do you guys think about the performances in this scene, and like even the Fred Willard also? <laughs> well, Fred Willard's freaking hilarious. I forgot <laughs> all about that. That made me laugh really hard. I thought it was a really good like scene for them to kind of have this like have at it sort of you know what i mean yeah within still like the because i'm like I'm, in what other context could they really have been like um here's some truth bombs because like what the hell's going on yeah you know what i mean and like not have fran be suspicious of it though i do think it's a bit weird that she's like eh, you dance with the wedding planner i'm, I'm busy I also think it's a bit weird that when they look at each other like an abject horror when they're first introduced at the beginning of this scene that Fran does not notice that. Like, come on. Like, somebody would notice that. All right. There's a lot of questions. Well, this now, uh, just discussing it made me think, what happened after Steve and Mary's, like, rained out kiss? How did they get home? Did they not exchange numbers? Because we see her, like, in love and so happy the very next day or whatever at the next event. Yeah. Like, what's, what, you know. But she, like, knows that his name is Steve and he she knows the hospital he works at. So maybe she's, like, planning to, like, hit him up later. Oh, you know what I mean? Maybe that's okay. it. It's like, oh, well, I know where you work. So. Yeah. <laughs> Though still, okay. I don't know why it wouldn't just be like, hey, can I get your number? Do you want to go out sometime? Actually, yeah, proper? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. One thing one thing I wanted to note, um, I just thought of like the fact that they're having this clashing conversation during a dance is so classical too. Like it's all the way back to like um Jane Austen and Pride yeah. and Prejudice and Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth yeah. Bennett mm. having their exchange of words over the dance. Like dance is such a great form for having these like conversations. Agreed. Like yeah. yeah, it's like you can express so much physically, you know what I mean? Like through like while you're dancing you know what mm-hmm. i mean because it's like even those parts where it's like the turns and like part of the tango obviously is like uh-huh. you know when it's sharp and you know right. there's very jutting motion sometimes but it's like that ties in perfectly with the feeling of this conversation yeah you know yeah. Where it's like you can kind of express the frustration in a socially acceptable way yeah in a sense the dance is such a great container for this moment mm-hmm. so yeah, and I'm so glad they got somebody who had choreographer experience to direct the movie. It really shows. So. Yeah. So I want to ask a big question here. To what extent do you think Steve is guilty of what um, Mary is accusing him of here? To what extent do you think he is a cheater Ooh. in this context? Yeah. I wouldn't go so far as to call him a cheater, but I want to say his his explanations were you could punch holes through all of them. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. just like, oh, yeah. well, I went to the movies with you, but like, it didn't mean anything because like you asked me. And so I just, I like the movies. I'm like, <laughs> okay, come on now. Like total random person you just met that you're attracted to asks you to go to the movies and you're like, you don't mention like, yeah. oh, I'm all, oh, my fiance would love to go to the movies too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, come on now. Yeah. So I think he was misleading. <laughs> I think he was being not lying, but like lying by withholding the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I would, I would concur with that. Yeah. If you don't, if you're in a monogamous relationship expecting to get married and yeah, I mean, at the very least he's leading Mary on in a yeah. certain sense in this situation. Yeah. 
I, yeah, he hasn't cheated technically, um, but would Fran be happy with him being at the movies with this attractive young woman? I mean, he said he rescued an old lady, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Like, why lie about it? Yeah. 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 Okay. So moving on, like after this tango sequence, um, the next important sequence is Fran decides that they should get married at a vineyard and she surprises Mary by saying that she has to come along on this like weekend trip to the vineyard with her and Steve. And in the movie, they only actually show like one day of them being at the vineyard, but I guess originally it was like a weekend and there are deleted scenes where like they're staying over at this vineyard and stuff. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Which I think is good that they cut that out because it would have really dragged on forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that explains why there are like outfit changes in this like one day that they're at this vineyard. (laughs) Okay. So once they get to the vineyard, then we get this like sort of madcap sequence where Massimo shows up at the vineyard on his scooter and declares himself to be Mary's fiance. And, and Mary like resists a little bit at first, mm-hmm. but then she kind of just lets everybody be under the impression that she and Massimo are engaged. And mm-hmm. like, despite Steve's like intense smugness over this, like would, would you have let this fly if it were you? Cause I wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, why is she not being like, oh, it's a misunderstanding. But then again, I mean, how much do you want to reveal about like your personal life in your Mm -hmm. professional context? It's like, oh, well, my dad thinks I'm desperate to get married. So he like brought this guy over from Italy to like be my (laughs) husband. And uh, it's not really working out. You know what I mean? That's probably like more information that she really than she really wants to divulge to like Mm -hmm. kind of strangers. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Also, it kind of gives her a little leg up or whatever. I wonder if she does that as a, in an insecure way, but to show that, you know, to Steve, like, I don't need you. I see, I've got somebody, you know, a little bit of that. Okay. And then we get this like um, horse riding sort of sequence where everyone's riding horses. I don't really know why maybe (laughs) in the longer cut, this was explained, but they're all riding horses with like Fran's drunk mom and, and her weird dad and and then like Fran's drunk mom sings like a very high note and the horse that Mary's on speeds away and it's out of control and then you get Steve (laughs) Matthew McConaughey like yeah and he's like riding a horse like a freaking cowboy I can't forget it it's so ridiculous I couldn't. You don't like it a little, at least? Like, you don't like, because I feel like I like it a little bit, like, even though it's cheesy, like, I kind of like that there's some cheese here. Like, there's this kind of like fantasy rescue sequence. It's kind of fun, I think. Yeah, that bit where at the end, where he's like, you know, when he's about to be, he's like, okay, like, jump onto my horse. I'm like, this is kind of fun. And then, like, and also it ends up with her, like, sitting, like, in his lap facing him, which is, you know, you get that physical contact again. Yeah, that was a good one. I think it's really skillful the way they work that into this movie compared to like how I've seen it done in some movies, but mm. it works for me because I think they have chemistry and, and you guys have differing, somewhat differing mm-hmm. opinions on the matter. <laughs> we get also that manly, quote unquote, manly face off between Massimo and Steve, like where in their, they're in a fitness center, yeah. like Massimo challenges Steve to like all these physical challenges. Oh, so the silly. Contest. So yeah. silly. Yeah, I don't know. Like that part, I didn't need that part to be in there personally. I didn't need any kind of like competition between them because it's like they didn't they didn't bring it to fruition, really. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. they didn't need to. There was no real contest. I guess it gave Massimo, the guy who played Massimo, gave him more comic moments. And like, I mean, he is a little funny, but I don't know. It's just random. Like, (laughs) it's dopey (laughs) and random. You're like, Mm -hmm. who is this guy? Like, 
generic attractive young italian yeah man. yeah he was just kind of there and you're like is this supposed to be a real serious consideration for her as like someone yeah. to marry because it doesn't feel like that he looks so young i'm like yeah. is he yeah. like 18 like what is this <laughs> he looks so young and I'm again like, it's like is it, have you had a job before like what is yeah. you what do you do like i'm a mm-hmm. professional career person i make a mm-hmm. lot of money i'm like i have my own home like blah 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 it's like what 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 do you do who are you he knows how to make mac and cheese that's what he oh, does oh dream big like well. set the bar high <laughs> Yeah, because there's later a scene where he like makes her dinner and it's like mac and cheese. And yeah, yeah that, that which adds to the feeling of youth. Yes, for uh. sure. If they had given Massimo like the ability to make like a badass Italian meal, yes. there would have been more stakes here. Can yes. you imagine like if there if that scene with the mac and cheese had just been him like surprising her with like this amazing like three course Italian dinner? That yeah. He made? yeah. So after this horse riding rescue, um, Steve is told that he should ride with Mary to make sure she's safe on the horse. And it gives them a chance to have a little follow-up conversation about the situation. And Mary gets Steve to admit that he was attracted to her at the movie. But he then says he didn't think he'd see her again and nothing happened. And then he says, and I think he's, you know, probably we're meant to think he's partially lying to himself here. He says, now more than ever, I believe Fran is the one for me. But he's just making it clear to Mary that he's settled on Fran. And this is where things are at. All right, so we're, I'm going to call the spoiler section a little early on this movie. So if you have yeah. not watched The Wedding Planner, this is your chance to go watch it and then reconvene with us. Because from now on, we can talk about anything that happens for the rest of the movie. So the first thing I want to talk about in the spoiler section is the relationship between Mary and her father mm-hmm. and what's going on with this arranged marriage. Mm-hmm. And we find out about this when Mary wakes up to her dad measuring her for a wedding dress oh, in her God. sleep. Um, also, as somebody who makes clothes, would that even work? <laughs> no. 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 No, it would not. It's like you need the whole circumference of the body, like not just the height. It's a very fanciful measuring that is <laughs> going on here. Again, that's supposed to be funny, but to me, it's just so creepy. Mary is also upset about being measured for this wedding dress in her sleep. And she kind of confronts her dad about this, says that Massimo and her are not engaged. But then her dad explains to her why he wants this marriage for Mary, why he wants marriage in general for her, and tells her something she didn't know, which is that his marriage to her mother was an arranged marriage. So um, this is Mary's dad telling her what happened between him and her mom. We met on the day of our wedding. We couldn't even look at each other. I was in love with another girl and your mother wanted nothing to do with me. She said I had big eyebrows and a low IQ. Anyway, one day I got very sick with scarlet fever and she stayed by my side. She took care of me. For the first time, I appreciated her. Then the appreciation grew to respect. Respect grew to like. Then like grew to love. A deeper love than I could ever hope for. That really moves Mary. And it moves me to a certain extent, too. I can't imagine actually being in an arranged marriage, but it, but the speech still, you know, mm-hmm. like it moves me and yeah. it makes me. And it, and it sounds like the kind of stories I've heard of people who are in arranged <laughs> marriages that worked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine for yourself being in a situation like that and having it work out? Like, what do you think? From what I've heard generally speaking like obviously varies like culture to culture and like society to society but there's like 
forced marriage and then there's arranged marriage. And I've heard mm-hmm. some folks who are like, you know, in more arranged marriage type situations that they're like, well, it's more like a pre-arranged like dating service, like blind date kind of thing that your family mm-hmm. arranges for you. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you don't necessarily have to marry the person, but like, you know, you're assuming your family knows you well enough and they have your best interest in mind that they're going to like, you know, scout out someone who thinks that, you know, they think it'd be good for you um, or like would work. So I'm like, okay, in that sense, it's like, maybe it's not so terrifying, you know, or like, doesn't sound so horrible, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, different from being like, well, here you're getting married now, no choice, like, you know, to this random person. So in that sense, it's like, yeah, it could work out. And it probably saves a lot of folks the trouble of having a date because it's a hellscape dating sucks sucks in this day and age. So it's like, well, if I had like a trusted person that cared about me and knew me well enough and like they did the work for me, then like, you know, as far as meeting new people and stuff like that and it worked out, then like eh, I could see it happening. Yeah, it's odd, though. It's like this arranged marriage between the dad and the mom. It sounds like they maybe it wasn't so much of an arranged dating service as a forced marriage yeah. almost, yeah. which is kind of, you know, a little, I, yeah, I'm not sure what message that sends exactly. I think in that situation, it is possible people could still grow to love each other, but I I don't know if that would be a good um, bet to make necessarily. Yeah, it seems like a gamble. Yeah, no matter what we think about the dad and mom's marriage, though, it feels like Massimo is a pretty random choice. I, yeah. for the, I think we've already covered that a little bit, yeah. but I don't think Massimo is necessarily a good example of how you would arrange a marriage, like beyond, you are both from Sicily, you have met each other when you were kids. Like, yeah. That would right. be the yeah. only connection point. It seems like the more common thing from what I've read and like heard from folks who've been in this type of scenario that it's like, oh, like my mom, you know, really wants me to marry a doctor or a lawyer or blah, blah, blah. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, like that's kind of the focus for a lot of people that it's like, oh, they're a good person, but they're like very educated and they're, mm-hmm. you know, they do well for themselves and like they're, you know, attractive, hopefully. But the kind yeah. of the personal success seems to be like a big hitter in mm-hmm. that yeah. context. It's like, well, why would I want my daughter to marry like a schmuck that she's going to have to take care of all the time? Like I want her to marry up i guess you could put it that way mm-hmm. so, yeah i don't know i'm like yeah it seems kind of a random choice to be like well eh, this guy like he makes mac and cheese right <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know it's uh it's 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 this seems like the part of the movie that the least thought was given to mm-hmm. in a lot of yeah. ways yeah all right any other thoughts on massimo and this arranged marriage and and mary and her dad actually what do you think about their relationship in general like beyond this uh it's okay it feels like he really doesn't know her at all mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean like does he yeah i don't know does he know the kind of work that she does and how good she is at it um yeah. you know i mean yeah. i can i can i don't know i in a way i thought that their relationship was sweet and like maybe this is my own like personal experiences reflecting on this. Cause like, I think of like my grandpa and my grandpa was very old school, like from Honduras and, you know, conservative Catholic guy. Mm-hmm. And like, there were so many times when like, uh, we did not see eye to eye or agree on like a lot of things like behavior and, you know, how we do things here versus there and all that stuff. But like, I always kind of kept in mind that his intentions were good. Mm-hmm. you know like it was coming from a place of care like he wanted yeah. us all to be happy wanted us to see us all like successful and like 
his version of what that meant. Yeah. So like I could kind of, even though I ignored it most of the time, I was still just (laughs) kind of like, I understood it. And I understood like why he was so like, you need to do this, this, this. Like he would all the time hound me about like, when are you going to get married? And like, you know, when are you going to have kids? Like, don't you want to have kids? Blah, blah, blah. And I never wanted kids. So I was just like, no, no, still no. Also yeah. no. But it did, <laughs> I tried to not let it like get under my skin too much. Cause I'm like, this is just what happiness looks like to him. And it's yeah. just hard for, I think sometimes for older folks to like see outside of that. You just hit on a thing like that's I think what Mary's dad said. This is what happiness looks like to him. And later, mm-hmm. Mary kind of explains to Steve or somebody. She explains to somebody that like that her dad was so happy with her mom, and yeah. that's why he wants that for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so at this point, Fran has to go on some week long business trip, and so she leaves Steve to help plan the wedding with Mary. And so this, you know, forces them together. The first thing we see them doing, I think, is this like shopping for a statue for the wedding in some <laughs> random garden. <laughs> like, so weird. I don't, I didn't know you could go to a random garden and be like, let's pick out a statue. Like, right? maybe that's a thing rich people do. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds like a rich that's people funny. activity. That's what like, rich people do. <laughs> yeah, well, because in that that same scene, the guards like, excuse me, you can't touch the statues, and I'm like, okay, so if they're in like a sculpture garden. It is like an art yeah. museum, outdoor art museum. It's like, um, we're just going to get this one on loan. Yeah, right. And uh, we're just going to have it in my wedding in the public park over here. <laughs> yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. And the, and the statue like that Steve is touching is this like warrior guy. And like, of course, like as soon as you see a statue, okay, if you're watching a movie and it's a comedy of any kind and the statue has a penis, that penis is going to fall off the statue. Yeah. That is a rule. <laughs> Yeah. And so the statue falls over, the penis falls off the statue, and we end up with a guy with a penis in his hand because there's nothing more hilarious to the American movie going audience yep. than a man forced to touch a stone penis yep. for some reason. Yep. So so ridiculous. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> comment on it. I'll tell you, at this point, um I I invited my daughter to, you know, come and sit with me and watch this film. And so she <laughs> her little nine year old self, she was like, What? She's like, That's inappropriate. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, it's silly. She was so funny watching this movie together. <laughs> oh, man. You have to tell us more things she said. Like, I will, as it comes up. If it's, okay, if okay, it okay. Yeah. Okay. But I agree. I'm like, it's just not funny. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I, I'm not saying it wasn't entirely unfunny. I'm just saying it's so funny that this is like the thing that the American psyche grips yeah. onto. Because it really does. Penis. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And like she's so they're trying to like glue this penis back onto this expensive ass statue. And um then like he gets his hand stuck to the penis, of course, and like then the security guard catches them, blah blah blah. And so then we get a scene with like Steve with a penis in his hand and Mary's like carefully like ungluing it from his hand. But then what ends up happening is they're having this like heart to heart conversation while Mary's like trying to get this penis off his hand. And then after the conversation's over, he offers her the stone penis and she accepts it. And I love this. Okay. When I was watching this, I'm like, oh, that's like some symbolism there. That's some Freudian shit going on here. Or at least maybe even just more obvious shit. But I love that in the commentary, they said this European journalist asked them if it was meant to be symbolic that like Mary, that he offered Mary the penis. And I'm like, that's right. European yeah. journalist something's happening here Mm -hmm. they thought it was funny that the person asked and i'm like how do you not see this as a symbol of something (laughs) right that and so what they say no no they did the stone penis back and forth (laughs) 
I think it was deeper than maybe they thought it was. Like sometimes people write stuff into their stories that is not intentional. It's more subconscious. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. But penis gag is one thing, but then offering her the penis afterwards, like just really feels like Steve is transferring his affections officially to Mary through this penis. Uh That's all I'm saying. Anyway, yeah, me and the European journalist were, were on the same page here. So, yeah. And then after this statue shopping, they go flower shopping um, again in a random outdoor market. I feel like this is not reflecting the professionalism of Mary's wedding planning here, that we're going to a weird garden to see statues and then a random outdoor market to see flowers. I'm pretty sure Mary's got like access to vendors where she's right. going. To- yeah. You know what I mean? I, I guess it wouldn't be as picturesque and it would not allow the opportunity for Mary to randomly run into her former fiance who left her shortly before the wedding or who she left because he was cheating on her shortly before the wedding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And this ex is pregnant too. Oh, well not the ex. The ex isn't pregnant. The ex is the the ex's wife. Yeah. (laughs) Or the person that he was cheating on. (laughs) They're now together and she's, she's pregnant. All the things. And they both look like they wandered in from like either the cover of a romance novel or some like daytime soap opera. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like very chiseled features and yeah. she's like perfect looking. It's like, oh my True. God. I think it's intended to be like, they're so happy. They're so much better off together than they ever, like than he ever could have been with her kind of thing. Yeah. It's brutal. Kind of your ultimate nightmare. Yeah. 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 Cause I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not above pettiness. If I saw my ex, I would definitely want him to look horrible and the person he's with to be <laughs> not cute i mean if that if under those circumstances you know what i mean yeah i'm friends with yeah. most of my exes but if i like had that happen to me i would uh a plague upon your yeah. house yeah and you definitely wouldn't want them to like look that idyllic when you're going through something of, no. of your own like no yeah. i would not yeah so mary's really distraught by this obviously and we see her next, like, she is drunk. She, apparently, Steve has taken her drinking. And some hilarious thing about this scene. So apparently, according to the director, Adam Shankman, in the commentary for the film, Jennifer Lopez had never been drunk before. I identify with that because I didn't get drunk until I was quite, you know, until I was like 35. And so she had never been drunk before when she shot this drunk scene. So she decided she was going to start drinking vodka out of the beer bottle that she's carrying in the scene. So she was actually swigging vodka when you see her in this movie. And eventually she started to get a little bit drunk while filming. And then Shankman was just like, enough, enough. Like no more, (laughs) no more alcohol for Jennifer Lopez here. (laughs) So I guess there's a certain aspect of realism to her acting drunk in the scene. Funny. My daughter's comment to this, she's like, what? She's drinking? That's inappropriate. And I'm like, <laughs> again, and I'm like, I don't, um, we're not against having a drink or whatever. And she's, and then her response was, this is a house of God. And I was like, oh my goodness. I know, I've never said that before. <laughs> like, so Mary's like, Catholic I'm and like, we drink wine, so. I'm like, I guess, but <laughs> you can have a cocktail, honey. Like, she just is, it, I don't know where she comes up with these things sometimes. <laughs> okay, so Mary is sad, though, and she is. Steve gets her into her apartment, and, and he's comforting her. And I love, I've never thought about this before, he's roasting a marshmallow over a candle, which is a oh very... Well, there's a fire <laughs> burning in a fireplace right behind him. Yes. I, no. I was like watching that scene and I was like, I have tried roasting a marshmallow over a candle before. And oh, I can tell that the candle in this scene is a scented candle and is a terrible idea. Having said this from experience. 
So I'm like, because wait, it, wait, what what happened? It when just you did tastes this? like whatever the candle is. Like Ew. it has a weird kind of <gasps> scent flavor to it. You know what I mean? Because I think like the aroma or whatever essential oils yeah. from the candle kind of like because you have to put the marshmallow so close to the flame yeah. and the flame is so close to the candle. Mm-hmm. And so it, like, wow. it's, yeah, it's not, and that's why, like, I think when you do it over like an open flame, like a fire, you know, whatever, like camping, it kind of has that sort of like campfire woodsy okay. kind of thing to it. So it's like less mm-hmm. noticeable or it feels right. But uh, well, yeah, noted. I'm only, I will only try this with my beeswax candle. then. <laughs> yeah. I was like, why is he doing it on the candle when the, fireplace is burning right behind him I, okay so he can sit romantically on the floor next to mary lying on the couch i get it takes and so much longer though i i like this whole vibe <laughs> they've got going though there's a fire he's sitting with her he's yeah, with marshmallows sweet. i did like that yep. yeah they're vibing pretty strong at this point yeah they're definitely um yeah and and he's pretty and he's as we see later in the scene he's like ready to admit it too basically also touching her too like constantly like brushing her hair back like i feel like he's very handsy which is like fine you know but it's like dude dude yeah yeah and she's and mary's just still feeling sorry for herself wendy is the name of the girl that her ex-fiance left her for she says i was just a stand-in a poor man's wendy and then later steve says this wendy she's nothing but a poor man's mary and I'm like, oh, Aww. that's perfect. Yeah, that that's nice. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, I was like, super oh, that's nice. A good one. Yeah, I, I love that line. And yeah. and they're just having this intense chemistry. And like, and then Steve does call it. He's like, ah, oh, it's getting late. I guess I'll leave. Mm-hmm. But then he does the thing. He does the turn around and knock on the door thing. Mm-hmm. And I have got a clip of that. Yeah. Do you ever think about that night in the park? What? I barely know you. I don't know your dad's first name. I don't know if you ever wore braces or or contacts or glasses. And I have no idea how you came to be a wedding planner, Mary. But I know the curves of your face. And I know every fleck of gold in your eyes. I know that that night in the park was the best time I've ever had. (laughs) Please say something. I'm a magnet for unavailable men. It's simple. I know Fran. I respect her. And she loves you. So besides your tux measurements, that's all I need to know. What do you guys think of this speech and this scene and Mary's choice? Get it, Mary. 
Wait, wait, wait. Get it, Mary How. I like elaborate. I feel like she has so much integrity in mm. this scene that it's like, I mean, sometimes I feel like this is probably the case for most of us, but like when I watch rom coms, not only are they fun and, you know, obviously the romance element and stuff, but I feel like, you know, as time goes by and you have more relationships and you meet different people, I'm like, fuck, there's so much that is relatable in some of these movies because I'm like I've obviously never been a wedding planner nor have I fallen in love with the person I'm planning the wedding for but like this scenario I have been in where it's like and it's you know I feel like in this the way it's maybe kind of framed is like oh this is romantic right like he comes back knocks on the door like professes all these things and they're lovely and all that but it's just like okay it'd also be like fucking over someone I know and respect uh by saying like sure you know what mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. and it's like one of those things where it's like okay do I like just follow my heart like which I feel like is kind of the message generally speaking mm-hmm. or it's like I have a choice here to like you know I feel like especially for Mary having experience like being cheated on like the day before mm-hmm. her wedding mm-hmm. you know like for her to have the backbone to be like you know what that's nice and all but like maybe you should have reconsidered like getting this far along in your wedding planning like way before interesting. this interesting i'm see i i'm i'm opposite but i'm really glad to hear somebody like voice like mary's decision here mm-hmm. and like what's behind it yeah because um, i feel like what it, the hell like okay buddy like was this just like another like you know what i mean because like how mm-hmm. many times has he like kind of dangled the carrot in front of her i guess hmm. and now he's like oh well now i understand and i'm like Break up with your your fiance first and then come talk to me. You know what I mean? Uh, that's exactly okay. what I was going to say. I love it. I think it's beautiful. Um, but he would have shown integrity had he just kept that to himself. Yeah. Broken up with Fran first and then come to see, yeah. you know, if if she was interested and available and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, because it comes off as like a, well, like, because like that's exactly what happens after this. She says like, I'm good because she has like some self-respect. Mm-hmm. Um. And then he's like, oh, well, she said no, so I guess I'll just get married. Yeah. And it's like, no, like, he should have made the decision for himself to be like, actually, I'm really into this person. I'm very attracted to this other person. Strong enough to, like, risk, you know what I mean? To, like, Mm -hmm. consider not getting married. So maybe I shouldn't get married, period. And then come back around and be like, (laughs) hey, Mary, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. No, you guys make a good point with that. Like, Cause definitely like I would not have made the decision Mary made. I will say that I wouldn't have invited him back in and made out with him either, but I would have been like, so yeah, mm-hmm. I'm really interested in you. And like, I do feel something and like, but we get, we got to talk about this and you're getting mm-hmm. married right now and you got to figure that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like that's fair. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have like out and out rejected him is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, maybe I would have made out with him at certain points. <laughs> I mean, I can't say I'm above it either. I, it has happened in the past. Not someone who's married, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just, I feel like th- they sell the chemistry, for me, they sell the chemistry between these two so well. Mm-hmm. And that speech is just like the way Matthew McConaughey delivers it. I feel like he delivers it in a very heartfelt manner. And like, mm-hmm. he's just so nervous. But yeah, you're right. He sh- He really needs to take care of his own shit before mm-hmm. he, you know, can make this declaration um and have it be credible and yeah. people are people are scared to let go though people are scared if they're if they have a partner yeah. i think they're often scared to let go of that partnership maybe they're scared to be alone they're scared to like 
be single and risk that they might right. not have another yeah. bind to grasp yeah. onto. Maybe that's what his deal is, but that's not really an excuse either. So yeah, you guys have convinced me a little bit. And yeah. she could be putting herself in a really bad position, you know. Yeah. Well. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, well, we got to cancel the wedding, honey, because like, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm into the wedding planner. And it's just yeah, like, yeah. Oh. By the way, I was going to talk about this later, but like, we're in the spoiler section now. So like, when they do break up, and then like, what, Steve's going to be dating the wedding planner like next week? What is Fran going to think yeah, about right? this? He's going to get out, I'm yeah. assuming. I personally wouldn't tell her right away. And yeah. maybe wouldn't even date right away. I feel like this was such though supposed to be such a high profile wedding that you would almost think like some mm. sort of gossip columnist might mm. get a hold of it. But the way that they end, it's after this scene, shortly after this scene, where Fran is like, Why am I doing this? I don't want to marry him. Yada yada. So I don't think she'd be too hurt, to be honest. I mean, they end on a good note. They end yeah, it's amicable. Amicable yeah. and so I think she'll be fine. Yeah, and Fran totally. made all those comments earlier where she was like, oh, I hate all this shit about him. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I don't, yeah. is he going to be the last guy I'm ever with? Like, uh-huh. uh, you know, like, I, it's, I think it was pretty clear that she was also kind of had like one foot out a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, they even, they even say they, they've known each other for so long. They forget why they were even together. Like you just, yeah. They just kind of yeah. got caught up in, and then, my gosh, people, you just get caught up in wedding planning. If, I mean, you know, you feel mm-hmm. like some people feel like they can't back out. Um, yeah. And props like those to those like, yeah, you know. And oh, that's well. that's interesting, too. Like, it's such a contrast between um, Fran and Steve and Steve and Mary. Like, in his speech, he's even saying, like, I don't know, like, this and this and this about you. Like, all like I, I like he's he mentions all these things he doesn't know about her life, whereas Fran is somebody he knows thoroughly. Well, except mm. of course they don't have a song, so I don't know. But you know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's an interesting contrast, like leaving the person that you have known for so long that you have this comfort with for somebody that totally knew, like mm. just based on a hunch. And like I'm okay with that. Like yeah. I have, I feel like I have hunches and intuitions that work for me. Mm-hmm. But I think some people would feel very insecure about that or very reluctant to do that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I do think like there's something to trusting your intuition. I'm like a little, I'm going to get a little woo woo. And like, I do think that like, you know, the universe like brings things to you, like bring certain people into your life for some reason, right? Like good or bad, like short time, long time, like just, you never know. But like, there is a reason. I think we're kind of told to like eschew that feeling yeah in yeah. favor of logic right like it has to be logical and i think there's a balance somewhere in the middle um yeah but i don't think it serves anybody to just like ignore it outright because i do yeah. think there's something there yeah just so many times in my life whether friends or lovers or whatever like i've often had this like just feeling of knowing and mm-hmm. it, has, it has served me well and the times when i have have tried to use logic just really hasn't really gone anywhere or like when i've tried to use like some dating site and oh we have this and that in common just hasn't really gone anywhere comparatively so yeah yeah Yeah, so you guys were talking about how fran was also having cold feet and Mm -hmm. she's talking about all this to mary and mary i guess she's just being professional she's just acting like she would with any of her other weddings she gives her like basically the same speech she gives the bride at the beginning of the movie it's like a callback she goes to fran you are exquisite you're timeless and you have the love of a man named Steve. Mm -hmm. And then she kind of makes up these like kind of white lies about 
what Steve said about her while she was gone. And some of it is true. Steve did say positive things about Fran while she was gone, but Steve also said that he was into Mary. So Mm -hmm. to me, it's like, on the one hand, it's like, I respect her professionalism, but on the other hand, I'm like, man, I don't know. I think if Fran is having these cold feet and you know that Steve is having cold feet, like maybe you could just let her have the cold feet and not intervene either way. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure I'm, I don't, I'm sure this kind of scenario happens in real life for like a Mm. wedding planner. And it's like, I think that's like a really big ethical question for your, your job. Like professionally, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, like how much do I intervene? Like if I see that, you know, cause like my job is to plan the wedding period. Mm-hmm. But like, it seems like, if, especially from the description you read at, you know, at the beginning of like what a wedding planner does, it's like a lot of technical things, logistics, all that stuff. But you are also kind of functioning as like friend, therapist, person who weighs yeah. in on opinions about, you know, this looks good. This doesn't look good, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, and it's just like, do you tell them like, Hey, I saw the groom making out with a a bridesmaid like or do I just shut up Uh, and walk away I don't know I think I wouldn't I would I would not tell them stuff I would not I would pretend that I'm sort of a neutral observer like Mm -hmm. a neutral neutral party but like in this particular situation with the knowledge she has like I'm just saying I don't know if I would go out of my way to give her this the rah-rah speech you know right right (laughs) like in in this particular situation I might let fate take its course because it Mm -hmm. will anyway as we see at the end of this movie yeah. Yeah. So then Mary makes a very bewildering decision. Um, Massimo, I guess, like takes this dollhouse of Mary's and like dresses it all up to look like their future home or whatever and presents it to Mary at Bert's birthday party. So it's his birthday party, but it's all becomes <laughs> about Massimo's proposal. <laughs> and um, Massimo proposes marriage to Mary. He somehow has acquired money to get a ring. I don't know how. Uh, and um, and she responds to his uh, proposal by writing O and K on a Scrabble board. Uh-huh. And it's just, it's bewildering. Like, I don't, like, is she that low that she's now just randomly marrying this guy? I don't know. I guess. I, I mean, that's scene where she said she yeah. didn't feel like she was good enough. She's probably dealing with some yeah. serious self-esteem issues that, you know, I'm sure you can get so much from your job, but outside of your job, I'm sure she's, I don't know. I, I And then, like, if she's surrounding herself, like, mostly with her dad, who's, like, yeah. constantly pushing this on her, then I don't know. Maybe yeah. she's just like, well, like, the person I really wanted to be with is getting married. So, like, yeah. this is the next best thing, I guess. Like, which is so sad. I'm like, oh, yeah. God. I mean, just- Massimo, this is his shining moment. He's like, I know I play the fool, and, and but I love you. And he makes a beautiful, I think, a very beautiful case, you know. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I want to make you happy and things like this. But um, that she can't even say it. Yeah. And she does right? it with, uh, and says, Okay. Oh, so I'm like, oh, you you lying to yourself. Stop it. <laughs> so and, well, honestly, and it, it's just it feels like a sh- like a sham marriage from you know what I mean. The whole thing, yeah, like the propo- like all all of it, because it's just like I mean, we just talked about like oh, going with your gut. Like if you have this feelings, intuition, like you can have feelings for somebody. But and maybe that's the case for Massimo. But I'm just like they've had like two conversations, right? Like, Twenty minutes long. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, I love you. Like, I, I, yeah. you know, I long for you, mm-hmm. and I'll make you so happy. And I'm like, bro, you don't even know me. Like, what's my fucking middle name? Yeah, 
so she says yes to Massimo. And now we get this like wedding preparation montage of just various people getting fitted for suits. And like, I don't know, like, I don't even remember what else happens. I just know people are getting fitted for suits. Do you guys remember anything else? from that? No, not really. Oh, no. She's also, she is signing her partnership documents with Kathy. Oh yeah. They're sending out invites as well. Oh yeah. The invites. Okay. There we go. Yep. And that takes us to Fran and Steve's wedding day. And we see Mary leaving the whole wedding to Penny because for some reason she has to get married on the exact same. Well, so the plot can have some weird symmetry. She decides she's going to get married the same day that this big wedding is going on. So then we see Fran kind of prepping her wedding dress in front of the mirror and she's looking not comfortable. Mm -hmm. Steve then comes to talk to her. And he asks her, okay, this is kind of lame of Steve. Okay, Steve is being really uncourageous for this entire movie. You guys, like, you when you pointed out to me that he hasn't broken up with Fran yet in that door scene, mm-hmm. now he's going to Fran, why do you want to marry me? Mm-hmm. He's basically making Fran break up with herself. Nope. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. It's the kind of thing a guy will, will say when they want to leave you, but they don't want to be the bad guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me spin it on you, like... Do you love me though? Why? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah. well, that's an interesting question on the right before we're about to get married in five seconds, but okay. Yeah, and she calls him on it too, like right away. Like, I can't believe you're doing this to me on our wedding day. Like, she's angry. And though eventually they, she does, you know, admit that she isn't really into it either. And they're both not really into it. And they have a nice little conversation with each other in this like Japanese garden or whatever. Like, it it is kind of a blame approach, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's also a movie. Yeah. They always have to wait until the wedding day. They always have to wait until the most dramatic point of the the, the proceedings. So I guess yeah, we need the and, drama. And then Steve puts Fran into a cab, and I guess we learn later Fran is going off to have their honeymoon. So she looks pretty happy. And yeah, yeah, yes. And now we get also Mary and Massimo's wedding day and we see, oh, I love her dress here. I just have to say she's wearing oh, yeah. like what looks like her mom's old wedding dress and a veil. Very beautiful. She doesn't look happy either, but she looks great. Yeah. Yeah, she's beautiful. But they're at City Hall and it's, you know, her dad and their old friends and Massimo. And everyone is looking really uncomfortable. All their yeah. friends are all kind of like, mm-hmm. and the and the judge is like, anybody object? And nobody says anything. And he goes to start, but then the dad objects, and then which is very cute and funny. It, you know, the old friends are like, oh, thank God, me too. You know, they're all like, no, I don't want to say anything, ahead. but uh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So dad pulls her aside, Mary aside, and. He's like, no, I know you don't love him. I know, don't do this. And she says she's going to go through with it. Do you mind if I read this, Jen? Oh, yeah, go ahead. And then I have things to say about this afterwards. Sure, of course. Okay. And she goes, but you're right. Love isn't some enchanted evening, isn't a fairy tale, or even love at first sight. That isn't real life. Massimo's a good man. Don't worry, Papa. I know what I'm doing. I'm just all grown up now. Yeah. And then it appears that they get married. Yeah. So like we don't see them get married, but like I have no reason not to think they would get married after this because that's where they leave us. Right. Right. And it's like and it's like it feels like sort of like like a Shakespeare play, like Much Ado About Nothing, where it's just like a a sliver away from tragedy. almost. Mm. I mean, in Much Ado About Nothing, it's even worse, of course. (laughs) At any rate, though, it's one of these situations where like if if something else that we don't even see didn't happen, Mary would now be married to Massimo. Uh-huh. Okay, 
And even while Steve is on his way to find her. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, what happened then after she said that? Where like the old people like, no, you're not marrying me. Was Massimo like, no, I don't want to marry you if I'm not your number one choice. Like, I think that's what he says later on. You think that's what happened is Massimo intervened? I think that's what that he point? says when they're all like, she's gone at this. It, when Steve finally gets there and the, and the dad's there and Massimo and the old people. And he's like, I'm Steve. Where is she? And, and you know wait you're not married and i think massimo says i I know she didn't love me i can't i can't i can't do this to myself or to you and over i think that's the most likely scenario and that Mm -hmm. makes me not love it because i really wish this had been mary's realization on her Mm -hmm. own in some way or at least that her father had pulled her aside and then she was like thank you papa like right yeah yeah you're really looking out for me here you understand me now or something you know what i mean that is a weird gap where you're like okay Mm -hmm. well I get it for the drama, right? Like Steve's like, I gotta get there, right? But yeah, yeah, what happened? Well, anyway, they don't get married. And <laughs> Steve goes over to where they're supposed to, to City Hall and to find her. And um, Massimo ends up then taking Steve on the back of his scooter, which has a just married thing on the back. And Steve's wearing like a helmet with like a bridal veil on it. I love this bit. I love yeah. the bit where they go through yep. like the, the bicycle race. And since it's San Francisco, you've got like some probably like supposed to be gay men being like, like, that's fabulous. Congratulations. Yep. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Because, of course, like, even before it was legal, like, gay gay partners would get have commitment ceremonies mm-hmm. or, like, you mm-hmm. know, commit to each other in some form of marriage. And so I love that that was a shout out back in 2001. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like that, like, how they played it as well, that, like, neither Massimo nor Steve were like, what? You know what I mean? Yeah. They were just, like, smiling yeah. and they were laughing and they were like, okay, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was definitely, and it, I think I'm pretty sure the director of the film actually is gay, a gay man. So mm-hmm. like that was probably maybe maybe that was one of his touches. I don't know, but like yeah, love I, I loved it. I loved Good it. Touch. So and yeah, and then Steve finds Mary at the the tree that she sits at for another outdoor movie screening. She is tossing M and M's away based on this comment they had at the beginning of the movie, like where Steve doesn't eat the colored M and M's, which makes because they're because the brown ones are more natural makes no sense whatever it's so weird it's the weirdest bit <laughs> they of all have a plastic coating on them like it's, yeah that's yeah. so silly <laughs> yeah. but anyway like this is steve's sign that mary's still thinking about him and um again there's another movie playing it's called flirtation walk from 1934 and later in this movie we see lots of people getting married coming out of like a like coming out of a building and they're all married in their bridal outfits and everything. So it's kind of nice thematic thing there. And yeah, they get together. Like for some reason, Steve's talking about it. She, Mary goes to him, what does Steve want? And he says, what does Steve want? I want to dance with you. And they have another like little start of a dance and they finally kiss. And I, I like their kiss. Okay. Like I've watched a lot of kisses and I've observed a lot of movie kisses at this point. Some of them are just not great. This is such a good, it's like slow. You see the the kiss develop. It doesn't cut away a lot. I, I feel like a real chemistry between them. So I'm, I'm calling good kiss on this one. I second good kiss, that. bad kiss. New, okay. You second that. Okay. I got a second. I just don't remember it. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I think that says everything. Yeah, no, I, I like this kiss. I think it's good. And um, and as they're kissing, we shift to seeing the movie screen behind them with all the different couples, like newly married couples on it. 
And yeah, I like it. And eventually the credits cut to JLo's hit song, Love Don't Cost a Thing. I love which that. Is- what a drop. What a like product placement for your own song that just came out as well. It has nothing yeah. to do with the movie. But yes, okay. yes <laughs> exactly. I was like, Ugh, like a great song, but like terrible transition. Nothing to do with anything in this movie. It's not right. about money. It's not about yeah, buying loves. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe Perfect. maybe if she'd married Massimo, it would have more to do with it. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> they're really they're funny. on the scooter riding off into the sunset. Love yeah. don't cost a thing. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> that could have been anyway. like an end credit scene. You know, alternative mm. ending. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I did have one ra- I, like I did have one random thought, and we've talked about that a little. Is this going to affect Mary's career as a wedding planner? I mean, she's already a partner now. Like, do you guys think this would be a scandal? Like, and people are like, I don't want to hire that wedding planner. Like, she's going to steal the groom or something. Oh uh, no, I no. Think it just depends how it was handled, right? I think if like Fran's family and her parents were like, it was because of the wedding planner, you know, mm-hmm. then like yeah. that might not go over well. But if it was like amicable and Fran's like oh you know it just wasn't the right thing we both were like bad idea and I think you know what I mean no one really knew about the the other side like you know the love plot here then I think it'd be Mm -hmm. fine plus this is a a rom-com like she's just gonna keep having more success and every they're all gonna it's happy happy happy. until they make wedding planner too right (laughs) what would wedding planner 2 be I don't know it would be Penny Penny any oh. story and she calls mary for advice on occasion and mary oh maybe has God. to step in to help i don't know no kathy kathy and jimmy's retired yes mary yeah. is now head of that company mm-hmm. penny's the star wedding planner yeah. i like it let's yeah. make this movie come pitch on it. let's pitch mm-hmm. it i just don't know like i don't know like do you guys have any like just off the top of your head who is judy greer's love interest in this movie is it another groom is it another person who's working at the wedding planning firm like what's going on here um, th- that's a little too repeaty. You know what I mean? Like, I don't okay, want them to yeah. remake this film, how that like Ghostbusters did and stuff like that. But like, what if what if she's been happily married, but now is getting divorced and like has to face oh. all these happy couples, people in love and yada yada. And like, what if her marriage is kind of in the uh, on the rocks and but Mary and Steve have had such a great and everyone's kind of rallying together for them to like, new, you know, rekindle the spark wait, wait, or something wait 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 jennifer so jennifer lopez is now the star and it's like her divorce movie no 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 penny penny, oh, okay. penny okay, 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 okay 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 i see i see are matthew mcconaughey yeah. and j-lo still together yes yes, okay. yes. they well, they make a little they make like a fairy godmother appearance and they're oh, like oh i like that it's gonna be okay penny and we're here to you know i don't know whatever so like that. I want Penny to have an I want Penny to not have been divorced. I want her to just be like still single, but she's like a fabulous like older woman and she's gonna like find romance. And, I like, want her to be yeah. like bisexual and polyamorous. Oh that's what I want for okay. Penny. You know what I mean? Yes. Just uh, best you know what I mean? And she's like, I don't know. I feel like that could be a good plot point. That would be fun. I think it would be a good plot point, but it would not be a plot point that a mainstream movie is yet ready for. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, we gotta push it on the masses. They'll get used to it. They'll get used to it eventually. <laughs> it's gonna be it's a it's gonna be the indie version of the wedding planner. Too. Yeah, I mean, she right. does she does short films and indie films now. So yeah. Judy Greer, I think she'd be. Yeah. What if a couple like invites her into their 
Oh my god, she's in a thruple? Get out. Yeah, like that. <laughs> They're like, we like you. I'm into that. You wanna- there you go. If we have strayed somewhat far from the wedding planning yeah. angle. Like, I was just like thinking, it. like, how do we incorporate like, the wedding planning portion of this? Where's, yeah, where's yeah, the, yeah. the conflict? I'm not seeing it. I think, um, okay, my version, this is the mainstream version. I, I appreciate the polyamorous bisexual angle. I do. And, like, I like movies that incorporate these things. But my generic, like, genre mainstream version of this is Judy Greer is like older single woman. She's kind of given up on love, but she's the star wedding planner. There is a new intern that she has at the firm. Who's this like young hotshot guy who's trying to basically take over her job. She's trying to make sure that he can't take over her role. Actually, that doesn't even work because Jennifer. Never mind. This isn't going anywhere because Jennifer Lopez would never stab her in the back like that. No. So yeah, what she if would never. Okay, maybe he's okay, a okay. he's a rival wedding planner. He's a rival wedding Ooh, planner who shows okay. up at all of her weddings. Mm. So yeah, so Judy Greer's the hotshot wedding planner. There's a rival younger guy wedding planner who shows up at all her weddings and tries to steal them from her. He's he doesn't succeed. And then he gradually starts falling in love with her, but she doesn't trust it because she thinks it's just a ruse to like trip her up. There you Ooh, go. That's yeah. I kind of like the, the wedding like industry is so cutthroat. Mm. Yeah, I like. We got a lot of we got a lot of workshop. We got a lot of ideas. For yeah, this. Okay. good stuff here, yeah. people. All right. Get it down. All right, all right. So now we're gonna do our double feature recommendations. So for my double feature recommendations, I am going to give you my top three JLo movies that are not The Wedding Planner. And I saw a couple more of her movies just in preparation for this episode. So I haven't seen everything, but I've seen a lot. So my first um, double feature recommendation, a, a great Jennifer Lopez movie, is Selena from 1997. And I really am sad, sad that I had not seen this movie until now. It is probably one of the better music biopics I have ever seen. Um, Jennifer Lopez, like, I feel like, really embodies that character so well. And the singing and dancing in the movie is so impressive. It's such a beautiful story of just success, like of a Latina pop star and like family as well. Like just like getting to know her family as well. And that dynamic was really beautiful. Like it made me more interested in this singer and made me want to explore her work. And I just, her performance is so great. You really see why this was Jennifer Lopez's breakout movie and so i really if you haven't seen selena just get out and watch selena as a double feature with this or just on its own i second that selena's an amazing movie it'll bring you to tears every time like it just everything you said it's amazing my first double feature is sweet home alabama which was done in 2002 directed by andy Tennant, and that's kind of important um this i chose this one because it has a last minute wedding you know stop the wedding kind of thing so <laughs> that's why i chose it specifically for that moment of you know who should it, who should, who should she marry kind of thing so that one and i really like it I, I also really like Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first suggestion is 27 Dresses, which was released in 2008, starring Katherine Heigl and what's his name? James, James Marsden with his mm-hmm. cheekbones. Yep. Um, <laughs> that's, that's his most memorable feature, the cheekbones like razor blades. Um, that I chose this one because it kind of gave me a similar vibe of like always a bridesmaid, never a bride kind of thing. Yeah. Um, not that Mary was in that position exactly but similar you know always in the background of the wedding not really ever the focus so yeah and it kind of had a a similar thing where it's just like am i lonely am i not am i desperate am i not i don't know so i and it's fun and james marston yeah 
For sure. And it's also got a connection to the wedding planner and Fletcher directed it. And she's the assistant choreographer on this movie. So that's awesome. Love too. it. Love it. Okay. So my next um, awesome Jennifer Lopez movie is out of sight from 1998. Mm-hmm. And man, like I, of all of her movies, I feel the chemistry she has in this one with George Clooney mm-hmm. is just some of the best chemistry I've seen any two actors have in any movie. Have you two seen this one? I've never I seen, have it. seen that scene that oh, okay. their chemistry is wicked hot. And I'm like, Oh, there's yeah. not just one scene. There's well, multiple scenes. Ah, like well, that she is one that is wicked yeah. hot. And yeah. Yeah. In this movie, Jennifer Lopez is playing a federal marshal and she is tasked with tracking down George Clooney, who is a bank robber. And it's kind of a heist and crime movie as well. It's It's got a really funny uh, small role by Steve Zahn in it as well. And just like great acting in this movie, great dialogue, very punchy and but the chemistry is why I'm choosing it. And also Jennifer Lopez is just so great in it in general. She just cannot take your eyes off her. She is badass. She is beautiful. And like, I just, I love this movie so much. Um, really, if you haven't seen Out of Sight, and again, check this movie out. Like Jennifer Lopez is capable of such great things when she has a good script. Mm-hmm. I felt like I should watch another McConaughey rom-com because he does have a stretch of time a a period that he was like you know the shirtless McConaughey (laughs) rom-com to which he finally like turned down a lot of money to not do anymore um so I chose Fool's Gold which was filmed in 2008 because it's uh partially written but also directed by Andy Tennant and I I like this guy's films so I was pleasantly surprised McConaughey and um Kate Hudson. This is their second film together. Um, I enjoyed it. There, there is a uh, a treasure involved, and so it's you know, it was good. I had fun with this one. So nice, I, yeah. And he is definitely shirtless <laughs> in this film. I have not seen that one yet. I do want to. It's on my list of things to see. I also chose my big fat Greek wedding, uh, which came out in two thousand two, and I, I mean, it's an amazing movie. It's going with the wedding theme. But I think it's not only is it funny, but it kind of has those similar themes of like a traditional family background and like, you know, your parents are immigrants and like the pressure you might feel to like be a certain way, right? Like, oh, we want Mm -hmm. you to be successful, but we want you to be married. Like that's hammered home, you know, by her parents or her dad specifically. And I just, the through line was there to me. I think it's more overt in my Big Fat Greek Wedding than it is in Wedding Planner. But yeah, and it's also fucking hilarious. Like I see so many parallels to my own family members in that movie. And it's just funny. It's funny to be able to laugh at it. Cause right in real life, I'm like, Oh God, guys, <laughs> it's funny to like, see it reflected back and also be like, Oh, this is kind of a shared experience. Apparently like, it's not just my crazy family. Okay. Oh, I yeah. love that. I love that. Okay. And my, my last uh, Jennifer Lopez, great Jennifer Lopez roles, great Jennifer Lopez movies picks is hustlers from 2019. And yeah, this is again, if you haven't seen this movie, check it out. It is directed by a woman. It is based on a true story of these dancers in a strip club who, during the financial crisis, start kind of robbing rich men of their money, like kind of giving them drinks that are a little bit drugged and then robbing the men of their money. It sounds really dark and it is kind of dark, but like at the same time, you understand why they're doing it. You see these women um, trying to uplift each other and trying to survive. And um, Jennifer Lopez is joined in the cast by Constance Wu, 
Um, Julia Stiles is in it. Lily Reinhardt, like some great actresses are in this. Her dancing in this movie is, oh my God. Uh. Like um, my husband tends to be like pretty, like low key and proper when he's watching actresses in movies. He's not like somebody who's ogling people, <laughs> but I caught, I caught a little bit of ogle there for Jennifer Lopez and I cannot blame him one bit. Like, yeah, how could you not? Sure. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. She is, a, she is amazing in this movie. She's such her dancing so good. And she's so beautiful, radiant. And like, it's, I'm not trying to romanticize, like, you know, taking advantage of people monetarily, but like, it's a really complex movie. Like you, you're, if you come out of this movie and say they're just bad, like I, I think you haven't really been watching it or paying attention to like the commentary in the movie about um, our system, our capitalist system, and like what people have to do to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, ch- check this movie out. There's so much going on in it. And yeah, and you can tell it's directed by a woman. Let me tell you. Definitely. Cool. cool. My last pick, Jennifer Lopez, is in this rom-com. It's called Shall We Dance? It was filmed in 2004, starring Richard Gere and uh, Susan Sarandon. So Jennifer Lopez's role is a little smaller, but she's lovely in it. She plays a dance instructor with this, like, at this small dance studio with this kind of ragtag team of misfits who all want to, like, ballroom dance and stuff. And it's, a, I think, a really sweet film, and you get to see her dancing. I love that movie so much. I love any dancing movie, but I love that movie. Uh, so my last pick, I I wanted to go with Runaway Bride. That's what I had written down, but I kind of had a change of heart last minute, if that's Ooh. okay. Eh? Ooh. So again, still going with the wedding theme, but this movie was on my mind recently. And I was like, I'm going to mention that. So Bride and Prejudice from 2004. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We covered We've covered it. that. Yeah. yeah. I <laughs> love that movie. I don't think it gets enough praise. Um, cause it's such a fun take on that story. And mm-hmm. I love, I, I mean, I love Bollywood. So I was just like, Oh, I love that. They're like meshing these things together. I love when that happens. So I'm like, yes, take it into like a different place and a different time and like, see it all play out. So, and again, that sort of similar theme with like culturally, like valuing, you know, like getting married, getting married to the right person, quote unquote, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like, I think that those are themes that are still very strong in our, in a lot of places, but they're not always so bad. It just depends. I don't know. Um, but I love the songs and I am a musical nerd. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bride and Prejudice. Love it forever. I need to rewatch it. Yeah. We covered that movie in either episode six or seven. I can't remember which one, but it was one of our first movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Gurinder Chadha is such a great director. Oh yeah. yeah. I love her. Yeah. yeah. So cool. All right. So I, Asa, it was like a delight to have you on the show today. And yes. like, if you want to hear more from Asa, please check out her podcast, Body Literati. And you can find them at Body Literati on Instagram. You can listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We're going to put links to the podcast in the show notes. But just like we really enjoyed your thoughts today. Thank you guys yep. for having me. It's been a pleasure. I was so excited. I was like, oh, my gosh, you want to have me on here? Oh, yay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. of course. Come back again. Yeah. Yeah, anytime. And then in terms of our show, we're going to be launching a new series soon. But before we do that, we're going to do an episode on high fidelity with author Courtney E. Smith, author of Record Collecting for Girls. So that's super exciting. And then coming up, our next series is going to be time travel, time loops, and other weird time stuff. So there's going to be a lot of rom-coms involving time things like Groundhog Day, for example, hopefully 13 going on 30, about time, a lot of great stuff. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, so again, Asa, great talking to you. Sophia, always 
love talking to you, one Thank of the you. OG Every Rom-Com hosts. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody, thanks for listening. And please, if you have any comments, send us comments at feedback at everyromcom.com. We'd love to hear what you're thinking. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.